Welcome, everyone, to the Islanders Never Say Die podcast. I'm your host, TJ, and with me here, as always, is our NHL analyst and expert, the grumpy old man. They say there's no shame to his game because he's always the same. That's me. And with us here, friend of the show, special guest, Coach Tommy Baffy. How are you, Coach Tommy Baffy? Uh, doing great tonight, gentlemen. Uh, how are you all doing? It's great to be back here on your show and uh, looking forward to an exciting show and listening to all the analysis from you and answering all the questions from all the people out there. Happy to have you. Happy to have you back on the show as always. Coach Coach Tommy B is the host of actually a show as well that is exclusive still on Facebook. It's Coach Baffy's Corner. I, I Coach Baffy's Corner, who was on, I think, yesterday. Coach, Coach Tommy B was on. When is the next time? We're going to be able to catch Coach Baffy's corner on Facebook. Well, I was on Monday night doing a, a fun show, this obviously discussion last week's games, but my next show will be next Tuesday night. So I'm doing a Halloween show. So you're all out to wear your costumes. And right now, Island fans might want to wear a bag over their head. So there might be some costumes they want to wear. So awesome. next Tuesday night, I'll be doing a seven to eight uh, on the Drive for Five page and some of the other group pages out there, like your Misery Boys, who you love so much. So I'll be back next Tuesday night, Halloween night, 7 to 8 o'clock. Ah, oh, that's right. Halloween. That's Man, Halloween is coming up here this Tuesday. I forgot about that. Oh, man, oh, man. Plastic bags, I think, is apropos for the way we looked last night. Um, but uh, for those who are into the channel. Paper oh, bags, not plastic bags. Plastic bags or paper bags, whatever it is, you know, a bag over your head, something to conceal your identity. Something Didn't your parents ever tell you don't put a plastic bag over your head? They also told me not to put a paper bag over my head, too, but it doesn't stop some grump. Pathetic. You've been extra grumpy before we even started the show today. Grumpy, Grumpy's in rare form, just giving everybody a heads up. Grumpy seemed a little extra grumpy in the pre-show, so I don't know. I'm sure he'll carry that over into the show today, but welcome. If you're new to the channel, this is a twice-a-week All-Islanders podcast that takes place every single Wednesday and Saturday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So if you're new to the channel, make sure you do a few things. If you like our content, make sure to subscribe on YouTube, right? So you don't miss out on any of the further Islanders content that we release. And also like the video. By liking the video, it helps the algorithm first off. It gets this fun time of talking the Islanders out to the masses. And also it goes ahead and lets us know you like what we do. Right when you like the video, we can also be found on Facebook and Twitter. One more item of housekeeping. Um, we do have a secondary podcast called TJ and the Grumpy Old Man. It's a twice a week, all I guess just an all sports podcast for myself, the Grumpy Old Man, and the magnificent Sun X. Shoot the shit talking all things sports. We talk NHL, NFL. Uh, M or MLB, NBA, college athletics, pretty much anything and everything sports on that show. It's called TJ and the Grumpy Old Man. It can be found in the link in the description below and as a featured page here on our YouTube channel, TJ and the Grumpy Old Man. Isn't that right? Oh, I tell you, my computer's running slow, but look at, look at that, Grumpy. You love how big the name is there compared to the small letters of the Grumpy Old Man. Whatever. <laughs> Uh -huh. Some people have to just, you know, some people have to, you know, present themselves as bigger than they are. You know what I mean? 
Hey, I understand. I understand, Grumpy. Um, but but before we jump into the show, uh, Coach Baffy there, let me ask you this. If you're looking to find, right, I know you'd mentioned the Facebook groups is always a good spot to go ahead and make sure they can find Coach Baffy's Corner, which is going to be on Tuesday, Halloween night. Where else? How else can we find it? Let's say if I'm not in one of those Facebook groups, what's the best way for me to find the podcast that you're going to do? Well, right now it's it's, it's a Facebook uh, podcast, so it, we, it goes into a lot of the Islander groups right now. Um, as I sure. mentioned, like right now you're on the Drive for Five. You have your your, your show on there. Uh, we do it on New York Islanders diehard fans. Uh, it's another group we do it on Islanders misery. As I said, we do it on Proud to be Islanders. We do it on all things Islanders. Become you know quite friendly with many of the admins and people who run those groups, and of course the uh, the worldwide Islanders group. So it's all over in a place like I know you put them on on there too. And again, you can find me on on Tuesday night on Halloween night if you're not out trying to steal some children's candy or something. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And and two other items of housekeeping before we start. Um, you've got a few viewing parties there for. Yeah. Drive for five there, Coach Tommy B. I think one is coming up here, and I'll post this up here on the 28th. The 28th, that's yeah. I mean, what's the 25th? That's coming up I mean, soon. That's this Saturday night. That's our first viewing party of the season that we're throwing at the Halloween party, ironically. Saturday night, October 28th, we're gonna watch a division game. Islanders taking on the Columbus Blue Jackets. We'll be at Whiskey Reds, uh bar and grill sports bar and grill in east meadow it's 2552 hempstead turnpike and we will be running a 50 50 raffle for the new york islanders children foundation and raise money for those great kids we try to do that a few times a year uh, to support the islanders and their foundation and of course we have all the great drink specials up there and the uh, food specials that we run for everybody so you come on out everything starts at 6 30 specials run to 11 so we have a little after game hopefully celebration off a win and we have a good cause. We actually always do a nice group photo that we send into the New York Islanders. So it's a fun time cheering, drinking, eating, and raising some money for the Islanders Children Foundation. And I was about to mention, and then there's there's another uh, viewing party there coming up on November the 2nd. So you've got two viewing parties in a short time period. I mean, back-to-back, you've got you, you got a busy busy schedule there, Coach Tommy B. That's surrounding all the home games, yeah. And uh, I said November 2nd. It, Borelli's is one of the most famous Islander places there is. If you were growing up as a kid, right down the block from Nassau Coliseum is Borelli's Italian Restaurant on 1580 Hempstead Turnpike in East Meadow. It is an Islander's hotspot. And uh, Mr. Borelli has graciously given us the back room next Thursday, a week from tomorrow, actually, I should say, on November 2nd. We're taking on the Capitals, another division game. Starts at 6. He runs like a very a special $10 dinner, dinner menu for us. And we're going to be joined by our friends, the Islanders Fanatic Army, and my friends Michael Brett and Nick Bienu as they run that group. And we'll all be together, two groups together, in the back room, tables, TVs, and Mr. Borelli hanging out with us too. Maybe I'll do a pizza tasting uh, thing, like a bar stool thing, and I'll do a little pizza review on there this Thursday night. <laughs> Grumpy, do you know who? Do you know? Do you know the like the the online presence that the Borellis have or no, Grump? No, I do not. Okay, <laughs> they do that where they and like they. I think he's he's part of our stool. I'm thinking yes, right. Yes, and yes. he does. He covers like and does like a lot of the live streams during Islander games. There, Grumpy old man. He's I, they were on the commercial. I think last year for Kettle One or some alcoholic commercial or something like that. Um, associated I'll just with. Take your word for it. I, I you know I don't know. Well, I, I figured you would remember Borelli's growing from back in the day when you know you were going out on the games at the Collie, and it was, you know it was one of the one of the spots like Doctor Generosities that I on the fans would go to. You yeah, know. you know what? 
I never, I never stopped there. I always ate at home yeah. or wherever, you know, before I got there. So that's what I, I always did that ahead of time. So I could reload with over expensive uh, concessions at the game. It would be not, you know, there's famous photos of, of Islander fans on top of the roof of Borelli's back during the dynasty years when the parades, when the parades would go by Hempstead Turnpike. It would be, I, I'd give anything to be able to climb that building one more time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you'd need a lot more than that. You'd need somebody to help you up the ladder. <laughs> Probably like three or four people at this point. <laughs> I didn't say that you did. I'm just saying. Oh man! As you get older, you know, climbing up on top of buildings is something you don't do too much. <laughs> Absolutely not. It's a young man's game. Oh man! Um, but uh, Islanders. There's okay. a, there's a comment I'd like to put up from JP at eight twenty five. It's been highlighted by the sensational Sun X. I'd like to put that up from JP at eight twenty five. Okay, okay, I got it. There you go, Grumpy. Here you go. JP says, TJ, I'm sure you misspoke, but just for all the kiddos out there, a paper bag over your head won't kill you. A plastic bag will. <laughs> LOL. And there's also something else, Tommy Baffy, that I've decided to do. TJ's mouth has been very, uh, his language has been more rough recently on the show. And I'm going to have the TJ cuss counter that I'm going to count up every time he uses a dirty word. I'm going to check it off just maybe to embarrass him enough to control his language. What's the curse counter out right now, Grumpy? Should be zero. 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 It's at zero I, right now. But don't I, worry. I'm sure you'll break it. I'm going to try to break a high score for you, Grumpy, okay? That's what we're going for here today. Will that make, make you happy, huh? I'm going to make the warden come on and reprimand you. Oh, oh man. Better watch out for the warden. like that. Ah, sure, sure. Um, but did want to talk a little Islanders, a little Islanders action here. Um, since our last podcast, um islanders played against the colorado avalanche right last night um didn't look great uh, that's that's probably the nicest way i can put it colorado looked dominant from start to finish um they looked the faster team they looked the better team did we also play was buffalo on sunday or was that a saturday game saturday. okay gotcha um, so, I mean, the only game we played since last time, I guess we had the show was, was against the Colorado avalanche and man, I, you know, when you watch a game like that, you see what a really talented team can do to a team like the Islanders this is a home game for us. I would expect it a little bit more uh, of a showing perhaps defensively for the Islanders, but man, you know, it's, it was like uh, Sorokin was just facing a, a firing brigade, just just consistent shot after shot after shot, high danger chance after high danger chance. I think he faced like something like forty five shots yesterday. It's firing squad, not firing brigade. Just to let you know. Are you going to mark that down on your little curse counter there, Grumpy? Is no, that that's separate, that's on the TJ. Count? That's on the TJ incompetence meter. Oh, and that. I'd run out of ink in my pen before the end of the show if I started tracking that. We're only on number two for that one, Grump. You know, there's a difference, too. I'm saying this right now. And shots on net, you know, I'm all for always putting shots towards the net. You know, that's a good part of the game, smart play. But there's a difference in what we've watched in these last three games from the Islanders when they're getting a lot of shots against them. These aren't just a lot of shots. These are quality, high-end quality scoring chances that we're giving up. It's like the parting of the Red Sea watching our defense play right now over the last three games. And the Monday, I'm sorry, last night was the worst of it. 
uh, we looked foolish. In my opinion, and I'm sure we'll talk about it later. If you just wanted me to talk about what did, what what was the, the main question, TJ? I'm sorry. Was no question. We're just talking okay. about how Sorokin's facing a okay. lot of shots. Colorado okay, looked the dominant team. Sorokin. Without I I you know and here's the thing. Everyone knows I have no social media presence. Um. TJ's a glutton for punishment. He talks with these fans after games sometimes. I said, don't do it. Just give yourself an ulcer. Don't do it. Particularly after we lose. Just don't do it. And some people were saying that Sorokin, you know, they're calling him Kurt Cousins, right? That's a Phil's facts thing. Call him Kurt sure. Cousins. Sure. There were two saves yesterday that he made in the first period that are honestly save of the year stuff. He is so good. He gave up, was it six even strength or six goals and then the one empty netter, Tommy? Or was it five and two? Five and two empty netters. Okay, five and two empty netters. Okay. Out of those five, and people say, oh, gave up five goals. Okay. I would say, and I'm going to be conservative. That game should have been, I'll be, I'll, Eric's on the side of conservative, 5-1 at the end of the first period. And I think that's conservative. That's fair. He was, he was just that good and again you know people watch these other podcasts listen to some of these goofs who are talking islanders hockey and you know what they get frustrated if you want to know what's really happening no offense tommy baffy about what's really happening with the islanders and the direction of their team you listen to this show <laughs> because we're not some bootlicking weasels or somebody trying to kiss the fans butts or anything like that it's not what we do here or maybe a little bit too realistic for some of the fans of this, some of the fragile fans of this fan base. And that's fine. But again, what have I said all year? If Sorokin is not standing on his head, we are nowhere close to being a playoff team. And it's not just him. It's not that the fact that he has to make these saves is because, as Tommy mentioned earlier, the defensive breakdowns from who? Who are the guys who are breaking down defensively consistently? Pulak, Pelik, Aho. Those are the guys. And here's the thing: those are the guys that you're not Aho, but Pulak and Pelik. Those are your rocks back there. Your eight-year contract extension guys. They look old and slow. Okay, those are just facts. For now, everyone, you, you really quickly. I, I don't want to derail it too much from your point, but just to show some of the saves, right, in the showcase, how spectacular Sorokin had to be. These were the huge two saves he had in the first period where you just, your left, your mouth is left ajar just thinking, holy crap, how fortunate are we that we have a goalie who can make saves like this on a night-in, night-out basis? And who's the defenseman here? Because it's not, is that Pulak? This is not his yeah. fault. Where is some? you got two guys on each side of the net wide freaking open. I mean, well, I, I think Romanoff was off getting some water during this play. Yeah. Well, that's Romanoff. He's probably body checking somebody somewhere. Again, <laughs> you're hearing some of the Lamanites saying how great Rom Romanoff blows. I think the reason why Pulak has struggled is because he's paired with Romanoff. That's, you know, the, the thing about that is last year when they put them together, they played so well together. They did. Now, I don't want to make too much of it five games in, but they, they look like they don't know where to go. They don't know who to cover. They, they don't know how to stand anybody up at the blue line, which is the scariest part. Teams just walk over our blue line like, like it's practice, okay? And 
watching that incredible save there. Where is everybody? Their, their, their offense is all dropped down, and we got one player down low. Look, there's three avalanches in front of the net and one islander. Pelic was Pelic was a defenseman at this. Pelic yeah, was on that. yeah, we're on the penalty kill at this yeah. point. Where are, where is everybody? What, what are they doing? You you have to. I, I say this all the time about defense, and I will get into the power play later if you want to. When you're playing defense, your primary job playing defense is take the slot area away, take the uh, take the passing lanes away down low. If they shoot around the perimeter, that's on your goalie. Right. I'll give you perimeter shots all day long. You want to have 50 shots on goal on their perimeter shots? You can have them. If you have a good goalie, I trust. Look at the look at this crap. Incredible. That it, that it, that is such an incredible save. Think about the athlete and the strength he has to have in his legs. And the first one is the upper body strength to get that stick up there and hold it up there. Yes. When uh, McKinnon takes that shot, those that, those are two first period shots. And. You talk about the complete difference between Sorokin and the other Siv, Georgiev, and that. Georgiev was just missing routine catches there, glove side. Illegal. It's, I mean, Andersley did a hell of a job fighting on that, yes, winning the puck, getting in a position, just fires one on that. Not a great wrist shot, but Georgiev lets it in. And I'm like, our goalie makes saves like this. And we're complaining, well, hey. Sorokin led in a backhand goal from Kale McCarr that went upstairs in the toy department. He should never give up a goal to a guy like Kale McCarr that hits a top shelf. That should never be allowed with that angle. And he makes saves like this, but I'm not hearing how any of that impacts the game. Okay, I'm so furious at that play above all the plays in the game last night. He walked in one on four. The rest of the team was changing, and our entire four players all backed up. And if you're Sorokin there, you're thinking to yourself as a goalie, he's coming in one-on-four, they're going to take the puck away from him, they're going to check him. You're not even expecting that. You're not as a goalie. You're expecting your defense on a one-on-four to defend that. And all of a sudden this guy zip-zip and he's in, and now he's a little out of position there. He is. And then the guy makes a great shot. That's it. I mean, it is what it is. He made an incredible shot. And that's, 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 that's my point. For anyone who says, oh, Sorokin this. Kale McCarr is one of the best players in the league. Of course. And here's the thing. That's just a fantastic shot, upper 90, short side, over the top of the goaltender's shoulder. I mean, I you know, I sometimes don't say it's your player. Sometimes the other team just makes a great play. True. Yes. And that was, a, that was a Kale McCarr great play. To me, the turning point, well, we were outplayed the whole game. Let's be honest. Except for yes. maybe – Maybe a what a five minute spurt, I believe, in the second period. Other than that, totally dominated. Giving up the two goals in the final minute of the second period. Death below. That's you can't do that. You know, what do they say? The worst goals to give up are the last minute of a period. I mean, it brings the whole team. You give up two. Two within what 15 seconds. You give up two 12, goals. 12 seconds it exactly. Show the third goal. I, I, I want to show you a team that has no communication. They're, they're not they're not even out there working together as a team. I'll show it to you on the third goal. We're gonna break it down. And 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 you know, I think all you look at the goals we surrender. Now, Colorado is a really good team, and it's only five games in. But here's the thing: these are the same problems that our team had encountered last year. The reason why we're gonna look at some of these situations, we're gonna compare them to the same struggles we had last year. This is we're on the penalty kill. Our first goal against, we talk about a guy who's been struggling all year long with positioning. 
look at this. We're on the penalty kill right now. We've got our defenseman, Adam Pellick, who's going to try to force the, force the issue here to create a two-on-one break or to go ahead and stop this odd man rush. And all it does is lead right to a three or a two on one there for for the, uh, the for the Colorado Avalanche to lead to this goal. Like you're seeing Pellick make stupid pinches, you're seeing him take himself out of the play, and it creates these odd man situations that result in goals going the other direction. Like I don't get things like this. This is not what I've become accustomed to watching when I see Adam Pellick play. Can I show you something on this play? Just back yeah. it up one bit. Back sure. it up one bit. As they come in on that, as, they, as he breaks into our zone here, watch what Pulak does. Complete no-no. You have to take the one-time player out. You can't let him have that. You let the goalie take the shooter. We do that shit all the time. You have to slide over and take him out, and then and then let Sorokin take the shooter there. You that's like if you the goalie has so much harder of a chance to stop that play than he than taking the shooter dead on. The one-time yep. play is the hardest play to stop. Pulak's drifting over to the player and letting that guy sit there. That's a no-no. What what is Lambert teaching this team? I wonder. I was it was funny. I was about to wonder how long before we start hearing the calls for we need to fire Lane Lambert. I I feel like maybe right. I like the, the here's the thing. The season's not over, right? It, don't don't take our don't take our our um. Our, 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 I guess our, our 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 conversation today is, oh man, that the team is doomed. This is just the same team that we saw last year and the year before, an average to slightly above average team. And anybody who thinks that this team, because hey, when we had Pierre Engvall and we look at the last thirty games of last year playing against really weak competition, we look fantastic. This is going to be a fantastic team. It's not. It's going to be exactly what we grew accustomed to all year last year and all year the year before. Like, you know, we watched, there were some good moves. I like what I saw. People were shitting all over Cal Clutterbuck's day yesterday. Oh, man, he can't do it anymore. He just doesn't have it. Cal Clutterbuck's finished. He's gassed. Mm-hmm. He didn't I, have a bad game. It's He's not he, the problem. He didn't have a bad game yet last night. He, he's he not had, the problem. I can point out a lot of guys who had bad games. He didn't have a bad game last night. Cal was into the game. He, did he make a mistake or two? Yes. And when you make a mistake against this team, uh, look, it's probably going to end up in the back of your net if you make a really bad mistake. Am I wrong? They're that good. Sure. But, I mean, if you're blaming Cal for last night, he actually contributed. He scored a goal, set up a goal. He he contributed in the game to some extent. I'm not expecting my forwards to look like the best defensive forward on the ice. It's just not what I'm expecting. Now, I know you – I think you wanted to talk about the second goal against, too, the Coach Tommy. Third, the third. The second – if you want to show it, you could show the one-on-four if you want to show it, how pathetic that is on the Islanders for how they played that. Show it. That's pathetic. I'd have my team doing suicides after the game was over, like Herb Brooks after the way they played last night. They would be on the line going back and forth for an hour. Look at they, this easy just, zone they entry. They just walk in. They just walk in. Look at look at this. Three guys, three guys, three guys change as they're coming into the zone. Three guys change up. It's one on five. Bang. Pulak is out there gassed and he allows a shot like that. And it's like, we're gonna we're gonna blame the guy who makes the spectacular save when a 
a fantastic player, one of the best defensemen in the NHL, picks a spot backhand and puts a beautiful, a beautiful puck on that. I'm not going to blame the goalie for that. I'm going to blame the four players surrounding that blue line and enabling one Colorado Avalanche defenseman just to cut through the defense like a warm knife through butter. That's who deserves the blame. Oh, a hot knife through butter. Yes, and and what is Mister Defensive Center JG Pajot doing on that play? What's he doing on that play? Look at him. What's he doing? He saw the girl in the fourth in the fourth row, like uh, uh, Vukovic did in uh, Miracle. Oh, or, or Vakoda. I'm sorry, Vakoda. <laughs> I mean, look, Palmieri's just hanging out, and Palmieri's spotting that guy, so that's okay. What's Pajot doing there? He slows up. What is he doing? Just easy zone entries. It's like that's something you can't allow that. But when you're playing a team like Colorado and they're hitting their spots, the, every time you make a mistake like that, it's going to show. Yep. And it did. I mean, like that's why it's like Sorokin was getting blamed for that. Oh, you can't allow a goal in that situation. I, I'm sorry. It's just... You know, and we we got some gritty goals last night too, right? We got some some goals down low, some some effort goals down there. Where we, you know, we went ahead and jamming the puck. We scored a few. This was on the power play here by Paul Mary. That was nice to see a power play goal. You know, for you know a nice sight for sore eyes for certain. But you know, the offense. I know we scored four goals. Do we think the offensive play of the Islanders was particularly you know particularly great last night? I don't. For 10 minutes of the second period, it was. For that about was 10 it. minutes, we were all over them. And I, I, at the end of the game, we put a lot of pressure on them there, trying to score that tying goal. And then, of course, Bo Horvat made that ridiculously stupid pass, trying to squeeze it between two people's adoption instead of putting it back down low where it should go. And then he just hands it right to them, and they go into the empty net and score. But we, we did have some spurts, and, and I really thought that the last the – I liked, I liked what I saw with the goalie pulled up until the empty net. They really had a lot of chances and, and a, you know, put a lot of pressure on them and had a chance to tie the game. But the power play was okay, and this was a good power play, obviously. But the first period, we were sleepwalking, and most of the third period, we were sleepwalking. Colorado just – to me, I'll tell you the thing that was most frustrating about this game for me wasn't the fact that we gave up seven goals – wasn't the fact that we lost to Colorado. <clears throat> Two things. Number one was everything that I saw in last night's game is everything I've been telling people about for the last couple of years. This team is just not capable of competing with top-end teams that have speed. They're just, it, they're just not, okay? Sorokin has to play Superman every single night just to keep us in games. And that was the frustrating thing to me is if you don't see it as a fan, I really can't help you. If you think it's, we're a tweak here, or a tweak here from being a, you know, a Stanley cup contender, I, I can't help you. This is a problem with the construction of the team that has to change. If it doesn't change, you're going to see more of this and it's just going to go further down, further down, further down. Till you hit rock bottom. Now, I'll say this. That was a really nice goal by Holmstrom last night. It was a really nice sure. shot, nice release. Do you notice that he's more comfortable on that unit and he plays better when he's playing in the bottom six where he belongs, where a guy like Pierre Engvall belongs? He can't handle first-line competition and he can't handle first-line minutes. So why are you even trying it? Because they have no one else. 
And no one else. Oliver's the one guy who might be able to do it. Let him do it and just fly with it and see what he does for the next 15. I don't want to hear one game. That's right. 15, 20 games. That's right. I, I was about to say, I liked, I liked the shot, right? It's funny, you know. Holmstrom scores one goals, one goal, and we get hit on social media. Hey, the Holmstrom haters are being quiet. You know, we. I'm like, the guy has one goal in four games, one point in four games. You know, I, I like, I like the shot. It was a good shot, really nice shot to see. It's nice to see occasionally him find the back of the net with a great opportunity. I like this. He does a good job finding the soft spot here, and he does a good job in getting himself open. He does that. He rifles. He buries the shot. Good job on this play there by Simon Holmstrom. The thing that I also want to talk about, you, you I think you kind of brushed on a little bit there, Coach Tommy B. Oliver Wallstrom, a guy who is coming back from a torn ACL, who the entire preseason played with, the line mates of Dimtro Timoshov, uh, Dmitry Kuhlman, uh, guys like Ruslan Ishikov, career AHL players. He started out. He started out last night on the third line. Things kind of struggled for the Islanders, and they said, "Well, we're going to put Cal Clutterbuck on the third line, like last game against the Devils." And Oliver Wallstrom, you're going to be playing on the fourth line now. If that doesn't tell you what the thought process is by Lane Lambert, by this organization for a guy like Oliver Wallstrom, nothing else will hit you on the head to, to make you realize what they see in a guy like that. They don't see much. There, This is a guy who I think is a prime candidate for I'm going to be traded at this year's deadline when we add pieces. You cannot be playing a guy like Oliver Wallstrom on the fourth line. His skill set is not suited to be successful there. Absolutely. If you're going to play him on the fourth line, put Hudson Fashing on the ice. Put Gauthier on the ice. Oliver Wallstrom is not a fourth-line guy. That was the most mind-blowing of all the decisions. Lane Lambert, that's one of the few. That's one of the early criticisms he had last year, and it's the same criticism I have this year. He hits the blender regarding line combinations way too often. Barry Trotz never did it. Lane Lambert is like hitting and mixing and mashing buttons over there every single game. And it's like, we couldn't have found a guy who's somewhere in the middle, of course. Accountability and he, and he punishes the wrong player. You know, hold the team accountable and you punish the wrong player. Was Oliver Wallstrom at full for any of those goals? No. Was he? Wasn't uh, so nice. I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to hamper on it. JG Pasha was playing like dog crap and was responsible for a couple of those goals because he just doesn't want to cover anybody or he wants to be lazy coming back. And I'm sorry, that's what I'm watching. He's great on the faceoffs. That's wonderful. He's playing lazy hockey. So punish Wallstrom for Pajol playing lazy hockey on his line when his job is to be a, a, a checking center. Is that not his job? That's that's what a third-line center does. Yep. I, for me – um, I just want to touch on something else that just drove me crazy. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to agree with Tommy, though, about you got to give Wallstrom. I mean, how many games are they going to put uh, Holmstrom on that first line all preseason and the first number of games when he does? He's just not a first line player. Exactly. I stand by it. He's a bottom six guy. That's just what he is. OK, and he can be serviceable as a bottom six guy. Yes. You want to put him on the first line. As I said on this show many times, if uh Simon Holmstrom, a.k.a. Casper, is playing on your first line. Your team's not good enough. That's Those are just facts. Oliver Wallstrom, given one game, what was it, 10? How much? How many minutes did he even play that game? 10 minutes? Yeah, about that. I mean, and all of a sudden, bang, he's off. 
He's the only guy who could potentially play on that line because he wants to shoot the puck. He needs to play. And I'm not saying he's the answer, but he's the best option. The yes. worst, the last thing I wanted to see last night was Anders freaking Lee back on that first line. I'm sorry. Your time is up, average. It's up. One more thing I want to touch on. I mentioned two things earlier. I was listening at the after the end of the game, I was listening to the Colorado Avalanche broadcast to see what they were saying about the game. And they said that, you know, they did not play well. This is a game that they came out and just didn't play well as a team throughout the whole game. And they're like, this was a game where, you know, we won because we have more talent than the other team. And, you know, that's what it is, how you have to look at it when, you, when you're against teams like this. And I was like, holy crap. That's the one that cut me to the core. You know, the Islanders are just, you know, yeah. a team like that, that we should beat every single night, a team like that. That was the one comment. That's how we're viewed around the league. Oh, we're, we're like the get well game against really good teams. We can just roll it out. And even if we don't play a great team game, we can still win because we're just so much more talented. That's what happens when you beat a team like that. You don't have to be a hundred percent. And that was for me, that was a crushing statement about the Islanders. Well, and we should take offense to it. And, sure. and, we, and we should use that as bulletin board material and start lighting a fire on the, some of these players because uh, first off, we're not, as I said earlier, we're not playing like a team. We're playing like individuals. And when you do that in the sport of hockey, you're going to get destroyed, by the way. It's a team sport. And all this mix and match crap by Lambert, he needs to learn how to put a lineup together, let it sit together and and like a stew, you know, and boil and let it get used. He, he's changing the lineups all the freaking time. Yep. It doesn't give players a chance to get comfortable. Personally, I've said this all along. Anders Lee should be playing with Kyle Palmieri and Brock Nelson. I saw some of it last year, and they looked very good together. I think that's a quality veteran unit to put behind your first unit. Roll with Oliver and give him the shot because, like you said, he can shoot. That power play last night on the second unit when he had an opportunity out there, two nice shots he took that he almost scored on twice. Nobody else is in that spot doing that and has that dangerous shot. So he can, you know, Barzell is going to create space. Um, you know, Horvath's a good play. We know this. Hey, let Pajot play with uh, – you want to have a speed line? Put Pajot with freaking Holmstrom and Gauthier and let him fly up and down checking, playing defense on the third unit. And honestly, you know, the fourth line, it's probably time to go. It's probably time to go. You know, may, may, you know, Fashion's a guy you can trust defensively. I know we didn't look good the first couple of games, but I, I, I'm comfortable with him. You know, it, it, it's time to stop giving that cushion of the identity line. It's over. Yes. So, Matty Martin looked terrible, by the way, and I love the guy. But he's looked terrible early in the year. And I will say one other thing about this. I like him, but can Bo Horvat please bury one chance in front of the net? You get so many good chances in front of the net. Can you bury one? It would be it would be nice to see. And again, like for for him, I'm given at least 10 games before I start really being critical of his play and it's like you know more of the items that i'm concerned with it's like okay if i'm seeing a lot of these same problems we had over an 82 game stretch and we're still having them now it's like okay remember the magic off season where we didn't do anything but you know the members of the media and the members of the islanders core told us no we actually did so much and, and you know the subtraction of josh bailey was the biggest thing that this organization could have ever thought and dreamt of 
well, those those points obviously may not be correct, and that's more what I'm focusing on. But but uh, Bo Horvat, you had times last night where you had members calling him out for being looking a little lazy on the ice, and it's like, uh, I I like I like what I've seen from him in spurts this year, but I don't know. He, I don't think he'll ever be worth the contract that he's getting. And, uh, you know, as to whether he was worth what we gave up for him, time will tell. As That's the game you can't be lazy in. You, you can yep. take off a little bit when you're playing a bad team and, and do, you know, take a shift off here. You can't take a shift off against the Colorado Avalanche. Yep. They'll bury you. You have to play every shift like it's your last shift. Like when I see, oh, go ahead, Grumpy. I, here's the thing. Everyone knows I like Bo Horvat. On a good team, he's a second line center. Yes, I said that too. I mean, yeah. that's that's what he is, right? I mean, on the Islanders, he's a first line center. On the Islanders, you know, Pierre Engvall is a second line wing. Yikes. Simon Holmstrom or Anders Lee are first line wings. It's about the lack of talent that this or that we have on the team right now. And I, you know, you listen to some of the fans, it's like they're surprised how easily they were handled by Colorado. And I'm like, why is this a surprise for you? It's the same team that we've rolled out certainly since last trade deadline. It's the same exact team minus Zach Parise. A lot of the fans bought into what certain members were saying online, talking about the last 30 games. We look spectacular. Look at the amount of games we won. Look at how great we looked. That was all without Matt Barzal. And we just happened to run against a really good Carolina team we don't match up well against. So people came in with the expectation of, well, the same team that was winning game after game after game, like their like their life's depended on it for the last 30 games last year. That's the team that we're going to see night in, night out. And that's not what we're going to see is just the, the truth of it. We knew it wouldn't be. Like, I will say this. This year, I have been impressed with Anders Lee. He'll never be worth the contract, right? I understand that. But this Anders Lee, the fight, the hustle, the work, I'm like, holy shit, I haven't seen that level of effort from Anders Lee in about three or four years. And maybe it was because he's been playing up until last night a diminished role on the third line. Isn't that crazy? When you give the guy the third line and you say, well, we're not going to let you play the first line minute in the primo opportunities, oh. you see a whole different level of effort from him. Isn't oh. that crazy? Remember, yeah. there was another member of the Islanders that did that last year. When you put him on the third line, he exerted a lot more effort. What does it say, though, right? It tells you that the players are too complacent. They're just – it's the it's a cul-de-sac crew. I call it that for a reason. I mean, Everybody's, this goal, this goal was all him, by the way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and and a weak ass goaltender because yes. this is terrible. You're not screened. How do you get beat by that shot? And it wasn't even a hard shot. You can't get beat by that shot. Think about it. Islander fans are shitting on our goalie, and they see this on the other end, and they just are like, "Oh, we're turning a blind eye there. We're not going to go ahead and and praise everything spectacular our goalie does." Because here's the sad and the here's the reality of the situation. If you don't have a guy who's a worldly goaltender like Sorokin. This is a type of goalie that you have night in, night out. A guy who lets easy routine goals in every single night. And you're and trust me, the conversation is much different when you don't have a guy who's making worlds, you know, unbelievable worldly saves. But I'm sorry, go ahead and continue, Grum. That's what most teams are like in the league with their goaltenders. Boston notwithstanding, right? Boston's pretty good. Yeah. But Anders Lee, he came out and we talked about it. 
renewed effort, renewed commitment, whatever, because he was dropped in the lineup. Is that the guy you want as your captain? I'm going to ask that. Seriously, is that the guy you want your leader on the ice where he has to be demoted? Because that kind of trickles down to the whole team, right? This is our leader. This is our captain. And I'm not saying he's half-assing, but last year it looked like he was half-assing to me. Right? Let's be honest. He looked like he was kind of – he wasn't winning any battles along the wall. What just wasn't. He was getting beat off – he was getting beat out for pucks. All of a sudden now, demoted to the third line. Now we're seeing that renewed effort. Stop. That that tells me more about a person or captain material, leadership, than other things. Again, the team is so comfortable. You mentioned Bo Horvat. Bo Horvat's nice and comfortable now. So um, it's an eight-year extension, and Bo Horvat's always been an effort guy. Always. Now, now he's happy, though. He's part of the cul-de-sac crew. Look, Tommy, how many guys do we have signed to long-term deals now? And I don't mind long-term deals. The right you're, you're giving out long-term deals to Jags, just average players. That's that's problematic. It just is. And I'm, I'm not complaining about the long-term deals to Pulak and Pella because they were on top of their game and young enough where you're looking at them and going, it makes sense to get it. They were reasonably priced for what they got. And, you know, right now, you know, the start of the season, both have struggled. And it's only five games, and, you know, we do have to look at that. You know, I don't have a problem with Anders Lee as being our captain. I think he's actually a, a good leader in in a sense. But and and he probably was the hardest working player on the guy on the ice for the Islanders last night. Honestly, probably worked harder than anybody last night. Anders Lee. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, he, and he has for four of the five games. I thought he had a bad game in Buffalo. But I mean, you know, he's not your traditional type of captain type of guy because he's not going to put up eighty points. And in today's world, it's usually a younger player that's lighting up the score sheet that gets a C. That that's and I'm for Barzell getting the C. You know that. I think he would take himself to a different level just by saying, "This is your team. You go with it." it it's important. I know a lot of fans don't understand what the meaning of that is. When you tell a, a young talent to play, "This is your team," it, it'll mean something to him, and he'll run with it. I don't know if you watched the end of the game against Buffalo. They show the guys walking down the tunnel at the end of the game. Anders Lee, Brock Nelson, they're all just la-la-la-la-la. Barzell comes and he breaks his stick coming through. He's pissed. He's pissed. We need guys like that. That's the guy I want in the leadership role. Yes. To call these guys out. We're too comfortable. We're too happy. The fan base is happy. The fan, oh, we qual- maybe we'll qualify for the playoffs. You know, that'll be a success. Hey, because they're used to losing. Most of the people who, you know, listen to podcasts are not my age. They're younger. So they're used to the Islanders just being losers their whole childhood, their whole teen years, their whole early 20s into their 30s. They think success was getting beat in the Eastern Conference Finals twice in a row. It was success the first time because we hadn't been there in so long. So you have to take that as a success. That was a successful year. Yes. But they think – I think they think now just making it to the playoffs. It's not about winning Stanley Cups. It's, well, if we make the playoffs, that's a successful year. No, it's not. It's absolutely not. Can I tell, explain to you why they think that? Because I understand the, the philosophy. I understand how the Islander fan thinks because they were so bad for so long. That's Yeah, that's that's my that, point. That, as long as we make the playoffs and we're now left, it's like we're okay with that. 
and because they don't want to be laughed at anyone. To me, we're not being laughed at at least. Look, I'm like you. I either want Stanley Cups or I want to stink. I th- or at least, at least push in a direction that what? could potentially lead you to a Stanley Cup. Just treading water and bringing the same crew back year after year after year is not conducive to winning a Stanley Cup. You saw it last night. You saw it when we played Colorado, uh, Carolina. You see it when we played Jersey. You see it when we played Boston or Toronto or Tampa. Teams that can skate Edmonton. Edmonton is a sieve defensively. How much you want to bet they score six goals on us? I, well, I, I You mentioned about the direction. I think that as a fan, for me at this moment, is frustrating the most because we are completely directionless. We're a team to where we're not bad. We're not a bad team. We're not a team that has, hey, we're going to bottom out. And, you know, when we're doing that, we're going to be rebuilding. We're going to have the plan to be successful around this time period. We're not a team that says, hey, we're making the postseason. We're coming close every year. We think that with this piece here, we're going to finally win a Stanley Cup. This is a team in the last two years that's won two postseason games. That's not a team where I say, yeah, Two postseason wins in two years, that's a team that's one piece away from winning a Stanley Cup. It's just not. You don't usually make that crazy jump to say two postseason wins two years to where we're winning 16 games to win a postseason to win a Stanley Cup. It just doesn't happen. We are a borderline playoff team, and we are because of one freaking player. The player who gets hate anytime he gives up four or five goals we're not going we're going to completely ignore the actual context of why he's giving up the goals and the opportunities that he's coming against but we're just going to turn a blind eye to that and blame him it's it's like i i ugh, i hate when i hate all fan bases do it i feel like like roberto luongo was a guy who got a lot of blame and i'm like that guy's a hall of fame goalie and how many times did all the vancouver guys point the finger at him we have a guy who's talent wise I'd say the most talented Islander goalie the franchise has ever had. And he probably receives more, I'd say, skepticism and and more blame than any of the prior goalies, too. I'll say this to you right now. Go back two or three years. If you had the Sorokin of last year and the Sorokin we see now playing goal in front of those two, in front of those teams, we win a cup. That's how freaking good he is. Nope. That's how good he is. Nope. Never close, close games we lost that where we had a letter beating Tampa. He probably wins it. Never beating Tampa. Never. Absolutely freaking ever. Tampa Bay played just hard enough to say, ah, okay. And in game seven, they scored that goal in the second period and they just coasted the rest of the way. Nope, go ahead, Islanders. We'll just lay back. We'll just play defense. That's how good that Tampa team was. That, that game was kind of weird because we, uh, if you remember, Bavillier hit the crossbar with a 0-0 on that power play where we would have gone up one nothing, and then they scored on that power play and went up. That's how a hockey game can change just on one on one play at one time. But, uh, I mean, that team, I, I never felt that that year. I felt the year before Tampa Bay played with us. I did not feel that Tampa Bay played with us that year. I think that we uh, really yeah. gave them a run for their money, except for the one game five, which was an absolute disgrace. But that, that always bothered me, too, because we beat Pittsburgh in the first round that year. And who stole that series? Sorokin. Sorokin yeah. stole that series, and then we take him out of the net. Yeah, because Varlamov was Trotz's guy. I don't care. You have a red hot goal. You don't. You don't stop. But that's Trotz. See, that's yeah. Trotz. Trotz had his shortcomings, and that was one of them. You know, great, he's great coach, right? 
but he every coach has a uh, an mo right his is he's going to play his guys sometimes at the expense of the team because he trusts certain guys and it worked for us for a couple of years it absolutely did we were never good enough to beat the top teams though just weren't and you know history proved me right my coaches you know who go with what's working if something's working leave it alone until it stops working when something is sorry, buddy, you're one of my favorite guys on the team, but right now things aren't working for you. It's working for this guy and he's producing and you're going to sit and wait and get your chance until he stops producing. That's how I believe in coaching. Yep. Uh, ab- absolutely. Don't try to outsmart yourself. Don't try to think, Oh man, we can tinker here and we're going to go from productive to extremely productive. Uh, you know, <laughs> and <laughs> take, I just, take your gains. I mean, honestly, what we had an opportunity to turn the page last year, I felt we decided not to take it. We decided to run back the same group that got beat by Carolina, who were missing three of their top six forwards, and were playing a backup goaltender, still weren't good enough. And for me, it was just frustrating that we could have dug out a little bit. Now, what do you do? You double down. And okay, maybe Mayfield and Engvall aren't making a whole lot of money. But it's seven-year deals. All it does is hamstring you going forward with cash and with roster spots. You don't sign a guy for seven years and say, oh, well, okay, you know, uh, we got some young guy in the minors. He's going to play over you. That's not the way it works. Look at how many guys we have on long-term deals still. And they just keep doubling down. This team has never won anything. You're doubling down on losing. They're not just doubling down on term. They're doubling down on no trade clauses. Right. Yeah, that too. Now, if you want to get rid of them, you can't. Well, you here's the thing. No one's trading for a guy who has a seven-year contract whose name yeah. isn't McDavid or, you know, name a top guy in the league. No one's trading right. for Pierre Engvall. He's immovable at this point. Scott Mayfield, immovable at we, this point. Guys- Pulak, immovable. Well, what's going on point. when he's signing these deals? Is, is Lou passed out at the desk and they're taking his hand, writing the contract out, and they're just having him sign it with a date while he's passed out? I would I never th- sign almost any of these deals. I think Lou doesn't care at all and throws complete whim towards the future of the team. I think he doesn't care at all. And that's where it's like he sees that I'm going to be the general manager for maybe two tops three more years. And whatever is going to allow me to, uh, old, who, knows, who knows how long he's going to be the general manager for? He's already the oldest general manager in the history of the NHL. In the history and, of sports. In the history of sports. He just had a birthday. That's, he just turned eighty-one the other day. Look. Oh my god. Yeah, claps hey, congrats, and laughs. Hey, congrats! Happy birthday! I'm glad you're eighty-one. He's Go eighty-two, home. grumpy. Eighty-two, I think. Oh, he's eighty-two he's, now. However old he is. Um, yeah. The oldest general manager in the history of sports. He's the oldest general manager in the history of the NHL by quite a large margin. It's like by six or seven years. So he was the next youngest when he took over uh, Toronto. So he's got. He was, he was the youngest when he took over originally. Who was the oldest when he took over originally for the Islanders? Then he signed that extension, and he's now again the oldest. Yeah. So he's always been the oldest. Yes, that's my point. He was. One, I think I thought he was the oldest when he went to Toronto. I he thought was, he was the oldest he was at like that the point. Second, he was like the second or third. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I mean, look. I mean, I'm missing, when you look, these contracts are such a problem. Uh, I get the you know the fan. Some of the fan base is like, oh, I'm so glad we kept the player. 
not on those terms. I need flexibility. You need flexibility at all times when you're running a roster. That's it, what you need. Once you know, once you tie yourself down like that, if it if it goes bad, I mean, where do you go? Where do you go? That's the laminites talking. They got the head laminite who says, "Oh well, you know what? The number, the value is down." You know, but what about the years? Oh, well, when the salary cap comes up, you know, the money's it's the years you're tied to these players. It's the roster. They're not spots. going anywhere. Yes. They're not they're not going anywhere. P. Rainvall, seven years for a third liner, cases legal, six years for a fourth liner. I just just stop. Engvall Engvall's looked invisible no he hey, had a good no. first game and he's looked invisible he had a good game against buffalo and he's been invisible since i agree he had a very good game on opening night Engvall has looked like he's always looked sure he's this is this is pr Engvall we've seen for years Min, minus the 20 something games 18 games or whatever it was when he came over the deadline the deadline Fighting for a contract he is what he is he's a bottom six guy and a good one yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I have no problem with them playing bottom six, but again, you don't sign bottom six guys to seven-year extensions. Really? Are you trying to tell me going forward that hey, Pierre Engvall, he's a? I mean, these are what are they, the core? These are he's a core piece now. Mayfield, core piece. Are you happy with our core, with the exception of one or two guys? My rule is nobody on the bottom six gets more than a three-year deal. That's my rule. I can keep, I can find you guys all day long. Hell, I can pluck them out of my system sometimes if I want to. You're getting you take the if you're good enough and you really want to be here, here's your three year deal at at average value, and I'll keep you. You could find your Hudson fashions like we did last year, a street guy who should be playing in the bottom six for this team, but we're loaded with bottom six players, so he doesn't play. Gauthier, if he was playing bottom six, whatever, it's fine. He could play your bottom six too, but we feel, we become so enamored with guys who are supposed to play a minimal role of this team, and we think, well, if this guy leaves, we're lost. I will tell you. I, I got to listen to some Islander fans over the last the last day or so, um, and it's like, oh well, you know, the team's really struggling because Mayfield's out and he eats a lot of these penalty minutes, and because you know now they're asking Pellick to play more of the penalty kill, and that's putting a lot of stress on him, and that's why he's playing poorly. I'm like, uh, he hasn't looked good. He didn't look good for like the last forty or fifty games at the beginning of last season. And we talked about that and how he started to look better towards the end. He hasn't looked good to start this year either. Pelican has struggled. You know, it's early. It's early. I, I said we saw. You know, we have a decent team, and yes. not a bad team. We have a decent team, and we might make the playoffs. We might not. There's different factors or, or things that will happen throughout the year that are, are going to determine that. Yes. But the point that I make about this team is we're not a decent team on the upward trend. That's fun. That's fun. Yep. We're a decent team on the downward trend with an all-world goaltender. And no farm system. And basically None. no farm system. Yeah. We're, if if think about it, if we're in no the worst place for us to be this year is in right in the middle. And that's probably where we're going to be come deadline time. I would rather us be well at the top or well at the bottom. If we're in the middle, we all know Lou Lamarillo is going to trade away his fifth consecutive first round pick, and we'll have no first round pick for five years in a row. Look historically. What happens when teams trade away three 
let alone four, let alone five first-round picks in a row, where they don't have a first-round pick for four, maybe five years. It doesn't bode well for the next decade for that team and that franchise. And that's the thing I worry about. Because you're right, we're a team that's in the middle. We have been slowly declining. Yes. Ever since the Eastern Conference Finals, it's not like we're saying, great, every year we're hitting new highs. Things are looking good. Things we're, we're putting different pieces together and we're seeing the results because that results in us finishing higher in the regular season. It results in us having more postseason success. That's not what it's been the last two years after we made the Eastern Conference Finals. And this year, it looks like just like last year, we're going to be an average to an above average team where we play teams with real skill, real speed. They're able to exploit our slower defense, our slower players, and it's it's just problematic. And here's our future, the fans, and I'll tell it to you right now. Our future is we have two forwards in our system that I like that have potential that obviously are not ready yet. And then we have a couple other forwards that are fourth-line material guys, which is nice when you can find them anywhere. And they're young, but... You know, younger fourth-line guys can add more enthusiasm to your team. I prefer that. And we have a one goalie that I really like in the system when we already have a great goalie, so he's a guy's potential backup for volley in three or four years. And we have a defenseman that they all raved about, all camp, who's about four years away. So that's what we have in our system. Nothing. That's it. That's Nothing. it. Yep. And, like, you look, at, you look at the players in the system, it's not like we're saying, oh, my God. This guy here, he's an absolute can't miss. Can't miss. This, this, don't have this, any guy, can't miss guy. this guy, as soon as he steps in the lineup, he's going to be playing a top six role. He's going to be in a spot where he could be a point of game guy. The the prospects we have are guys where it's like, hey, they're gonna they're gonna cut they're gonna go ahead and, and cut it there on the third line. And maybe if everything goes well, they maybe work their way into the second line. And you know, if they continue to develop and mature, maybe we have a first line guy. It's like it's nothing where you say, Ooh, I feel really confident with what I have here. And that's uh like, look, I'm I'm impressed with Maggio so far, but he still he's a guy two years away. I like what I've seen. He can skate, he can shoot, he has a good awareness to go to open spots. So I'm liking what I'm seeing there. I'm a DeFore guy. I like DeFore a lot. DeFore reminds me a lot of a guy by the name of Trent Hunter, but with a better shot. That's who DeFore reminds me of. And then look, I like Isaiah George, but he's nowhere near. I think he's gonna be an NHL defenseman one day. Um, but he's nowhere near. They're telling you he's going to make the team out of camp. I'm like, who's writing this crap? Phil <laughs> Fax. Phil Fax writes that shit. And then, and, and there's a goalie by the name of Tristan Lennox who I really like. I think he's a really talented young kid, and I think he will eventually be Sorokin's backup. And then there's a kid like McLean who I'd love to see eventually play on the fourth line. And the kid we got coming over from Finland, the big kid, it, it to Lucas, who I like a lot for that type of a role to take over from Matt Martin. That's what we have, guys. There's nothing else in this system. Listen, listen to what you said. Backup goalie, third pair defenseman, couple of wingers who maybe bottom six, no high end talent. That's the problem. That's what happens when you don't have first round draft picks. It's not like we're saying, oh, we've got a guy who's like a Barzal down there, or we've got a guy who's like a like a. Let me let me do this. Let me read the ad because I do want to go ahead and talk a little about some players who have played well. Despite people people trying to hang them after a first game of the season, trying to trying to publicly tr- throw tomatoes at him, trying to hit him to the guillotine, they they hate him. Send him to the moon. Can we trade away his contract and rights now? We'll talk about a guy who's done pretty well this season. I think who's done really well. Uh, today's podcast is brought to you by DraftKings. The NFL season is going strong, and DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking new customers up. 
with an offer that is even better. Bet $5 on any game this week and score $200 instantly in bonus bets. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweetener offer every game day this October. So you could say, I'm betting on Christian McCaffrey to score another touchdown for week, however many he's got in a row. I'm betting that the 49ers are going to bounce back and win after a two-game losing streak. You could pretty much bet you add the bets up, you get same-game parlays, all that fun stuff. You got to check it out. Um, but get in on the game day greatness. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code THPN. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets. And when you bet $5 on the NFL. Again, that's promo code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net and your call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available if you have a gambling problem at 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of the Boot Hill Casino and Resort, a licensee partner of Golden Nugget Lake Charles. You must be 20 years or older, but age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gambling resources. Tommy, I have a question for you. If you have a gambling problem, how many people, you know, have listened to that thing? And let's say they have a gambling problem and they're not even able to admit it. Let's say they are able to admit it. Do you think they're calling those hotlines or just saying, screw it? I, I just wonder. I know they, I, I guarantee they don't. But DraftKings <laughs> has to cover themselves by saying that. I understand why. But I'm just saying, you know, it's nice of them to do that, honestly. Um, but I just wonder how many people actually. Oh, I gotta make my bet. Oh, hold on. Let me call Hope Penny. One eight hundred Hope Penny. It's a legal disclaimer. You know what it is, <laughs> and I don't think anybody even pays attention to that part of the. Uh, no, uh, probably not. I do, <laughs> but but Noah Dobson has looked great this season. The one best thing defenseman. I said it last week: best defenseman on the team. The one thing I worry about regard now. Here's the thing: some people online are saying it's not. No adoption, but it's Alexander Romanoff who's been our best defenseman so far this year. Stop. And, and I have to question, like, what game are they watching? What agenda do they have to push? And these just these, I don't know. It's just like they line up, they line up and they say, whatever, whatever, whatever they're pushing out there, whatever the agenda is of the team, or we're just going to accept that. I, I'm sorry. I just, ugh, I, Dobson's been spectacular. Five points, five games. I think he's done well on the defensive side of the pot. I think he's done well in the defensive zone. Yes. He's looked good through transition. Absolutely. I like what I've seen from Noah Dobson. He's great. So the one thing I'll say is this. If he continues to play really well this season, and let's say he has another year where he puts up more than 50 points, that would be, you know, first year, first full year, 50 points in 49, then another 50-point season. Let's say, he, let's say he puts up at least that. Guess what, ladies and gents? We're not going to have the cap space to sign him to a long-term contract. You're going to get a bridge deal until unrestricted free agency. And by that time period that that happens, the team's going to be in full-on rebuild, blow-it-up mode. And he's going to be a guy that's traded. That's what I can see happening. Can I just say one thing? Why won't you have the cap space, TJ? Is it because, oh, we're signing a bunch of ham and eggers to six- and seven-year extensions? When your defenseman has three years when they put up 50 or more points, they're going to get paid more than $7 million a year, more than $8 million a year. I think, 
I think he's going to have more than 50 points this year. I, he's um, looked great. Outside of, again, obviously outside of a very bad game against Buffalo where he had a really rough opening night. He's played really, really well the last four games. There's no arguing it. We all know about what the two guys, I'm sure you guys talked about the Twitter thing, which is absolutely, by the way, drama-filled bullcrap. All right? He was a guy online. A lot of players, who the hell wants to be criticized by people who don't know anything about the sport? Um, and that's happening to him. So he, so you know what? He's sort of blocking people. I, you know, it's not, to me, it's a little childish. You just should have got off Twitter and said, okay, I don't want to listen to this crap. Yep. But, but whatever, he's off Twitter, which I think is the smartest thing he ever did. All right, leave the kid alone. He's a kid. And 23. Like, yeah, let the kid play hockey and hold no grudges against him because he maybe he blocked you. If you hold a grudge against that kid because he blocked you, you're pathetic. You're pathetic. Could you imagine somebody else? It's like, what did Evan Neal once say? Ah, the lion doesn't listen to the thoughts of the sheep, and he got just massacred out there by the media. But you know, hey, there's some truth behind it too. Like, am I going to listen to somebody who is consistently berating and shit talking me? Oh, he's not. Uh, I, I can't tell you about how many people that that he blocked that you heard. Oh man, he just mentally doesn't have it. If he's out here blocking everybody, he just doesn't have what it takes. And it's like four games later. Oh, well, I was options playing a little better. Uh, yeah. I, you know, he needed to get off of Twitter. That's a good thing. But just because he's blocking people doesn't mean like, hey, he's mentally not there to play, you know, NHL hockey. He's fine. Did he say his, his account was hacked? Yeah, I think that's a lie, by the way. Yes. It's absolutely a lie. Anyone who says their account is hacked is lying to you. Why? Yeah, I don't even know if he was running his account. You know, for that's, you. that's my point. His girlfriend I, I, might have been running the account. His girlfriend sits right below me. The I think go. his girlfriend was doing. There it. you go. There you go. That's what I said. I guarantee his girlfriend or his mom is running the account, and they're like, "He don't need to hear this." Click, bam, bam. Phil got blocked, right? But, but blocked? by the way, I want you to know what I did. Phil got blocked, so I went on Phil's page and showed him how I wasn't blocked. <laughs> I put a picture up of me at Dawson and it says not blocked. You know, I, a, I did the troll. But here's the thing, right? Uh, here's the thing. If I had a, a Twitter page, I know he wouldn't have blocked me. He actually, it was weird. We got reached out to by but Noah Dobson before he deleted the Twitter asking if he can come on the show and go ahead and let, no, I'm just kidding, of course. I, I don't do what they do, though. If, if I'm going to give criticism of a player, whether it's on Twitter or what's on the shows, I'm, I'm going to do it constructively. Where if they if they hear it from me, it's like I'm listening to like how a coach would criticize you, so you're trying to improve yourself. The stuff that a lot of people say on Twitter is disgusting. Now, now, like I said, yeah. I don't have Twitter. Yes. I would never. Now, I talk mad crap about players. Absolutely, I do. Yes. Everyone knows that. Yes. I do. I have my favorites. I have the guys I don't like. I don't make any bones about it. I would never type something. To some or say, hey, no adoption, you suck. I, I wouldn't do that. What does that do? It doesn't, it's nothing. It's nothing. And all these people who were saying this stuff about him would never, if they, if he walked up to them in the street or something, they walked up to him, oh, can I please have your autograph? That's the thing, the difference between me yeah. and them. If I told you you were dog crap, I'm going to tell you that right to your face too. I say with a smile though, there's a difference. These people are all, they're just losers. Losers on I might, I might, if you I sound like I, old I man, something like you know, I mean, you had a, you've had a rough couple, you've had a little rough stretch here or something, and you know, keep your head up and you know, pick yourself up and go back and play harder. I, I would never look. Oh, you suck, man. Well, you, how can I even say that? I'm not on your level. 
I can't play like you. Right. <laughs> That's right. I yeah, so I don't care though. Everyone knows I don't. No, not even no. No opinion that I have, even though they're always right. But let me that. tell you something right now. After that happened, he's played four straight really good games. So for all the people out there, so we can't handle it. Well, apparently he used that as a little bit of a motivation, and now he's playing really well. So you guys are wrong. Well, you guys need to make sure you tweet as many mean things as you can, and maybe when he comes back, you can keep berating his Twitter account, saying, oh, Noah, you're such a bad player, and get them all fired up or again. Or maybe, just maybe, it's the fact that he's playing with a serviceable defense partner this year as opposed to you know the fossils that they had there previously in Green and Char who couldn't move or Boychek who couldn't move, mm-hmm. and he had to play on his offside. And, you know, the human time bomb out there, there's Romanov. The guy never seen somebody he didn't want to hit. Doesn't matter. He doesn't play defense. He's just going to run into guys, block shots. I can see why he's a fan favorite, but he's like not a great defenseman. Sorry, just not. Oh, one thing I can ask you right now, because to me, when, when uh, Mayfield gets ready to come back, and obviously it was a worse injury than we thought, um, say he's back in a week, 10 days. Um, as far as I'm concerned right now, um, I would play Boldick overall. Absolutely. He's played better than Aho. Aho's been atrocious in his own end. And that's, you know, Aho had a really good game against Arizona, by the way. The last three games, Aho's looked lost. And as we've all said, he's a seventh defenseman. So let the kid Boldock play, who's, who's held his own against these good teams, and let him grow with Mayfield, who, who actually would probably be a good partner fan. That's right. My opinion on that is Bolduc has upside, Aho doesn't. Yep. Bolduc yeah. has size. Ahu, 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 ahu doesn't. Right? That's that's the thinking long term. See, it's like it's not today. It's not you want to be better by the end of the year. Does yeah. playing Sebastian Aho every night and making Samuel Bolduc a healthy scratch, does that make you better by the end of the year? I say I've said it a hundred times on this. Sometimes coaches can't see the forest for the trees. And I, I would hope that Lane Lambert would say, you know what, Bolduc's been just as good as Aho. Better, he has been better. Aho is what he is. He's got his limitations. Do we just kind of ride with that? I know. Oh gosh, he wasn't great last year when he played against Carolina. Play. Well, Carolina is really freaking good. Carolina is really freaking good. And Carolina owned you, by the way. And Sixteen out of twenty. His first two playoff games ever after he played what ten regular season games in his yeah. career. Would you expect him to actually step up and, and, and be Dennis Potvin? No, yeah. that's not happening. Yeah. I, and we're going to start jumping in this few comments here. JP says, Nathan McKinnon is a monster. He's True. great. He's great. How many times did we just see him completely speed past Romanoff, speed past defensemen left and right where you're like, my God, he's got wheels. He's just a special player, really special. Uh, Gungun says, I love when the Islanders make a million penalties or take a million penalties. I'm sorry. It makes my toes tingle. Okay. Just real quick on that. You're going to draw more penalties when you can't keep up with teams and you have to reach in and do things to stop them from running by you. It's going to happen. That's, that's part of not having enough team speed. You get a lot of those hooks and interferences and holdings. That's what you get. Yeah. Now, just. Want to point that out too in my preview? I, I warned all you Islander fans how bad our penalty killing unit is. You watching it? Pelican Pulak are two superstars back there. They look terrible. We look we've terrible. we've been hideous on the penalty kill of us so far this season. Absolutely. 
2019-20 was the high spot for them. They've been on the descent ever since. How many times have I said that? For how many oh, years, God. right? Multiple. That's why you come to this show to but listen to that type of stuff. Pulak did have Pulak had a very good rebirth the last 25 games of last season and the playoffs where he played looked like the Pulak of 2020. And now he's off to he's off to a rough start. Back to being yep. what he's been the last couple of years. Now, Rick Roma, Grumpy. I'll let you read this here comment here by Rick Roma. It's the Islanders Never Say Die podcast starring Sun X with guest hosts TJ and the Grumpy Old Man. Look you there. He's trying to curry favor as always with hey, Sun X. It works. It works. He knows who's butt to kiss. <laughs> My little brownie says every time I think we've overcome, a pelic gets in the way. What's oh, to be God. done with all these GD pellics? <laughs> My little brownie. I think he'll be better though. I think he will get better as the season goes on. I think he's still a good defenseman. He will, Tommy. You wanna know why? Because he's playing with no adoption. He's got to get better. Uh <laughs> James F says a tough loss last night. Two goals in 13 seconds. Not bad. Even if we won the game, we didn't deserve it. But that was that was the death knell right there. Yeah. You can't give up two goals and you know less than 15 seconds in the last minute of the period uh you know yikes absolutely yikes and the, and, and the third goal where we look like the bad news bears in our own zone and, and let him walk right in Zekas <laughs> looked at Holmstrom Holmstrom looks where do I go what do I do what do I do they both they both look like deers and headlights on that goal it, it there's a bigger problem than people realize there's a bigger problem than people realize. Would it shock you if Lane Lambert gets let go this year if they really struggle? I, no. Now, for me, it's like I, I'm of the belief, you know what, you have nine of your first 13 games at home against really weak competition, only five teams that made the playoffs last year. If you come out in the 500 range, I think you're in trouble for the rest of the year. You are. I think it's, I think it's more than that in 13 because it's eight of the first 11 are at home. Is it is it nine of thirteen? Nine of thirteen also. Yeah, I think he's right. Nine of thirteen at home, and then only five teams that made the postseason. Right. Okay. Now that can be a little misleading because that's what happened last year, and then, you know Ottawa and Detroit looked fantastic. You know that they look very good. I should say fantastic. They look very good, so they don't look like the same teams we played last year. Yeah, I, I I will say I think this this portion of our schedule should be one where we're coming away with a lot more wins and losses. We shouldn't, you know, we should. Oh God, could you imagine if we exit this really good portion of the schedule and and you know really fa- you know fortuitous for the Islanders, we just go ahead and exit completely average. That would just be, I mean, the worst case scenario. And we play Ottawa Thursday night, right? Yeah, tomorrow night's Ottawa. Tomorrow, and yeah. they were at Columbus. And then Monday we play Detroit at home. Uh, honestly, you're looking at that before the season, and you're like, "That should be three wins." Not, I, I don't think we're getting three wins out of those three games. Nope. I don't either. But but if you're looking at the schedule, okay, home games against Detroit, who we've handled in the past, and Ottawa, who's had goaltender issues, and Columbus, that should be three wins. If you're a team that's okay, yep, we really were playoff contenders. Those are those should be three in your win column. Agree. Maybe they will be. Maybe it's. I mean, look, you're you are right. There's goaltending issues there that you're dealing with when you're going up against those teams. So it, it could play into our hands. I do assume the Longmuff will get one of those games in there because um, you can't play Sorokin every freaking night. His legs will fall off. Isn't that why you signed a 35 year old backup to a four year contract extension? 
<laughs> Andrew L says, what's worse, the Islanders without Sorokin or Aaron accepting my trade for Tony Pollard? It's Aaron accepting your trade for Tony, Tony Pollard, and that's why he was squashed by the rest of the league. Oh, looky there. AJ Nuts uh, says the fact that Wally is getting demoted for Clutterbuck and out on the fourth line makes no sense. I was shocked to see him on the power play, and he actually had a nice shot. Pellick has been bad so far. Yep, we touched on every one of those. Yep. I, I cannot believe. Now, let me ask you this. Do they even suit Wallstrom up for tomorrow's game? How can um, he, he was on the third unit at practice today with Pajot and Holmstrom again. Who was the first? Who was on the first line? Please Lee, tell me. Lee Horvath and Barzell were on the practice line today. Engvall with Palmieri and Nelson. Our typical identity line on the fourth. Fashing and Gauthier were the extra skaters, and Mayfield did not skate with the team today. So, what does it say? What's the saying? The more things change, the more they stay the same. Oh. Yeah. You know what? If Lane Lambert wants to die with the identity line, they want to die together. Go ahead. I'd like and here's the thing even changing a piece of the identity lineup it's still like it's like i feel like it's almost it's futile it's like rearranging the chairs on the titanic as grumpy always says it's deck like, chairs the deck chairs on the don't titanic. don't worry martin's only got 97 more games to a thousand then they can then they can trade him in a second round pick to get rid of him well That's they're gonna have to sign him to a, they're gonna have to sign him to a contract extension to get him there it, it's funny people are no talking else about signing them People were talking about what the future looks like, and they said, oh, yeah, when Brock's contract expires, Lou's going to have to sign him to an extension there. And I'm like, God. I'm like, just tell me that doesn't scream if Lou's still here. Resigning at what would be a 34-year-old Brock Nelson, maybe like a – would he be 33 at the end of the contract? 30, okay. 33-year-old center Brock Nelson to a four- or five-year contract. Tell me that doesn't scream Lou. Um, five years times $8 million, full no trade, and 1% of the team. <laughs> I just honestly, if he's not traded, he should be traded already. But if he's not traded next year at the deadline, it's just a, it's a tremendous mistake. It just is. He has so much value for his like. Think about it. If the team starts to hit the shitter now, you're at a spot to where this guy has a full another year at what five million dollars of a cap hit. When he brings six more, is it six? Okay. He brings much more than what six million. I mean, like you talk about a value. He has unbelievable value for what he produces on the ice and regarding his actual cap hit. Brock Nelson's a guy, unbelievable. He would be highly, he would be highly, highly valued. He's um, not no adoption, but he's okay. He's close. No, I'm just kidding. Gungun says, why did Soroka make a few inhuman saves last night, but also let a few fart shots in? I just disagree with that. No I don't let. I didn't think he let any weak shots in. Yeah, I disagree with that. Yeah, yeah I, I can sit there and say that one or two I might expect him to save because it's him. That's it. That's it. That's it. In a nutshell, you said it. Hit it. Go, go, run, run with the Tommy. But because it's him, because he's probably the best at his position in the sport. Um, and you say, well, I expect him to make that save. I, I got what people thought about the first goal, but sometimes things like that happen. You, you're sliding across on a quick play. And a guy knuckleballs it. He just happened to put it in the right spot. That's not on Sorok. And it's just, it's, you know, those things happen. They're fluky. And, you, and, again, that second goal, people keep complaining about. A, a goalie's not expecting a guy to walk through one on five. I'm sorry. He's expecting no shot to come there. He just isn't. And then the guy made a great shot to boot. So, yeah. you guys, you, you, you got to learn the sport better. Uh, Cam McCarr is a guy who, I mean, shit, if he plays long enough, 
He's already got one. He's already got one Norris. He's, he's a, a spectacular defenseman. He's the fastest to whatever points in the history of the league at age 24. He's I didn't want to do what I do, but I say if he stays healthy long enough, that's a guy who's one of those Hall of Fame caliber defensemen. Just it, is. it is what you do. I know it's what I do, but I'm just saying if he stays healthy long enough, you see the talents there. It's spectacular. So He, he has more points by the age of 24 than Potvin or I forget who the other guy was who was high up there on the list. Pretty Paul good company. Paul Coffey. Paul Coffey, okay. Pretty good company to be in. That's Pretty good sure. company. Yeah. I, He's that good. Yep. That's yep. Right. But, hey, we're going to – how dare you give up a goal? Here's the thing. He wasn't as good a defensive defenseman as Orr and Potvin, though. No. Well, coffee. coffee. He might. He might even be better than coffee defensively. Coffee wasn't a good defenseman. He was another wing. He was another uh, wing. Potham was an all-world defensive. Defenseman. Absolutely. He was the best two-way defenseman I ever watched play the game. Yeah, but Bobby Bobby Moore. Moore are my favorites. But I thought Potham was because Potham was also a tough guy. He could. Fight. That's right. That's right. Well, Bobby Orr used to fight too. Remember, I'm a little bit older than you, Tommy. True, so true. I, I remember watching Bobby Orr, and Bobby Orr was he was phenomenal. He was phenomenal. And Dennis Poffin, to me, right behind Bob. I saw Poffin beat up Dave Schultz one night. That's all you have to know about how tough Dennis Poffin was. He was tough. He was tough. He was, the again, Bobby Orr. But to me, he was more physical than Bobby Orr was, right? Not as good offensively. But for just, like, rugged two-way defenseman, man, he was my favorite. He was awesome. JP says, Holmstrom actually played like an NHLer last night. That was the lone New York Islander highlight. He had a good goal, and it was a nice shot, but he was lost defensively at times as well. I like him much better on the third line than I do on That's the first right. line. And I have no problem with him playing the third line compared to playing on the first line. No, no, the no. problem is drafting your lone first-round draft pick as a GM is a third-liner. But here's the thing. He was projected to be a third-liner that you could have had in the second round. That was the mistake. Matthew S. says, pitiful showing last night. Agreed, Matthew. Goongoon says, Coach Tommy B., will we experience an Islanders' fifth cup victory during Grumpy's lifetime? No. Um, I'm going to say yes. I'll tell you why. Like, Grumpy's living to 120. Do I live into 150? Because I do believe within the next two or three years, after everything's built, that these owners who don't give really give a crap that much, you know, they care about making money. No, no, no. I no. they will sell. No, you know, we're not going there. We're not going, going there. Buy the Islanders and turn us into a winner. Okay. You, do you do that on your own time or you and TJ by yourself? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm telling you. Once Coach Tommy be introduced, I'm like, that is 110% exactly yeah, what's happening. I knew where we were going with that. Smith it is. that one out early. It is. Andrew L. says, Sorokin makes a highlight real safe every time he's out there, or two or three. He's just yep. that good. Philip Nieberger, Niederberger says Islanders' penalty kill is not playing well. You hit the nail on the head, Philip. We talked about that earlier. Gungun says, Coach Tommy B., who is more of a poet and a prophet? I'll answer this. TJ or Grumpy? TJ can't read or write, so it's me, obviously. Are you both poets? He likes to use words like like pedantic in a sentence. And honestly, some people call Grumpy the Nostradamus of hockey, so he's the prophet. Ah, there it is. There you go. Theodore <laughs> Allen, Grumpy. Sorokin might win the Vesna with, with some competent defense. He might win it without. I think they have to make – it's tough to win a Vesna trophy if your team doesn't make playoffs, so I think it's tough. It's That's the one thing that's going to hurt him. Could you imagine if he had a legitimate team, 
a really solid team playing in front of them. Like if you said, Hey, Sorokin, we're putting you on a team like Austin. We're putting you on a team like Toronto. We're putting you on a team. We're putting you on a team like, like the Dallas stars or the Winnipeg. You, you would see, my God, the numbers you would post would be even more video game ask. And it's like, I, the one thing I fear is because our wins and losses won't be where they need to be. He's going to have a real tough time ever winning a Vesna. What it's if like, he was on those first couple of years that we had trots? Does he win a Vesna? Yes. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. 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 I think the team, the team, okay, Trotz was a better coach than Lambert. Always has been, always will be. He's a Hall of Fame caliber coach. But, man, you think about the system we had played, too, in those shortened seasons. If the team was playing a full 200-foot game, my God, could you imagine Sorokin playing that year that Leonard and Grice came out and had that great, you know, 1A, 1B? My God. That's why Sorokin, I'm thinking about it. He'd win a Vesna that year. Uh, he would he would have posted something like a nine thirty something save percentage. He would have broken franchise records, but ugh, I what was the la- when was the last time Varlamov won a game before the trade deadline last well, year? Wasn't he? He barely yeah. played. You know, once we made the big trade, I think he played like a total of four games or three games, and I think he yeah. lost every one of them. He did. He lost every one of them because that was the running joke where he said. We couldn't trade away a guy who won zero games for us. We could have rolled out Grumpy in that or myself and still had the same end result. We came away with zero points the, after the trade deadline when Varlamov played his games. And you're right. Even though he, he played well, too, was the that was kind of the shitty thing. He played well when he played earlier this 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 last week. And You know what I, I feel like with Sorokin? I mean, this is not to make a, 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 you know, a comparison of the sport, but when the, when the Mets had their Mike Piazza and they were a good team, he was like the only really good player on the team. Mm-hmm. That's what I feel like Sorokin. He just puts the team on his freaking back with a piano like Piazza did with the Mets, and that, that's your shot, you know, and nobody and everybody else stands around and watches him. Yeah, and then Vinny Smith, grumpy old man. Good evening, TJ, grumpy old man and Coach B. My question is, why did the Islander fans all kiss, lose, but why? The three he's a legendary general manager who they've saw in the metro area lead the Devils to Stanley Cups 30 years ago, 25 years ago, whatever the last year they won the Cup for the Devils. And he does have stature. There's yeah. no denying that he is a legend in the world of hockey in the NHL. No denying it. It's just his time has passed. There's nothing wrong with that. But here's the thing. Look at who the Islander GMs have been. Garth Snow. Was there for Milberry. how long, right? Milberry, Milberry. I mean, he's a step up. He just times passed him by. He's never been the same since salary cap came in. It was too much for him. How could you leave out my man Neil Smith? Oh yeah, he's only there for forty days. <laughs> when you're there for forty, here's the thing: Noah was out on the water for just as long as he was GM of the Islanders. Forty days and forty nights. Andrew Well says Pulak once again. Uh, like he did with Hughes, gave McCarr too much space and doesn't close this and leads to a goal. What's what's the reason why, right? That's true. We did that. Root cause, right? Root cause analysis. Hughes, McCarr, what's the one thing they do extremely well? They skate. When a guy's exposed because he can't skate and keep up, he backs up, he backs up, he backs up. That's the reason why. I hate to be that guy as well. The league is going more and more towards skilled skaters. And if, like you're defenseman, if you're a defenseman, if you're a Pulak's what, 28, 29 years old? But he was never a great skater, ever. My point being is he's not going to get any better skating 
from where he is now at 29, whatever, 28, 29 to where he's 33, 34 years old. And it's just like the time periods they get exposed is just going to get increased more and more is the unfortunate portion. It's the direction of the NHL. They want that. So you're not allowed to put your stick on a guy coming across, which you used to be able to do. You can overcome that because you get your stick on a guy and ride him and interfere with him a little bit. You're not allowed to do that anymore. I hate the penalties still that are being called little touch fouls. It just drives me freaking crazy. He might need to use a Ken Morrow stick to give himself a little bit of an extra advantage. Or a Chara stick. Yeah, I mean, a longer stick, he'll be able to get away with that. Yep. We got seven more years of Ryan Pulak. He's 29 years old. So about to say, we, I did not age. Probably not well. <laughs> I mean, it's only five. What is it? Five and a half? Something yeah. like that. It is. Oh, we've got seven more years of Pulak. Six point one. Six, six more point. after this year. Six more of Mayfield after this year. Um, I guess another Pellick. six more of Pellick after this year. Oh my God! And what's the what's the one thing they all don't do well? Skate. skate. And that's that's what I'm saying. You're signing guys to long term deals. And it's like, sometimes, you know what? It's okay to lose a guy when he's, he wasn't going anywhere. And if you want trade him, they should have, Lamarillo should have seen the transition of the league. It's been coming for the last, what, six, seven, eight years, more of a speed game. They want to be more, and it's an NHL mandate, right? They want to be more entertaining. And why, that's right. Why does the NHL want that? They want more money from TV contracts. It's all about the money. They don't care about actually the, the competition on the ice. They don't care about that. They, they don't want, want to see more, one nothing games. They want it to be more entertaining for the fans. That's what it's about. And if that means that you've seen how many smaller guys come into the league and shine now, where back in the day they would have been in and out of the league like poop through a goose. Why? Because they couldn't keep up with the physicality of the game. That's what the league wants, and Lamarillo should have seen that. Look, Absolutely should have seen that. Mayfield never should have been. I, I can't even stress this enough. He never should have been signed. Nope. Period. Period. And I'm, and I'm his biggest supporter. I love Scott Mayfield. He should have left. We should have moved him at the deadline. Yes. Varlamov, move him at the deadline. Parise, move him at the deadline. You could have. That's what I'm saying. We could have done some type of retool right now. Just take draft picks, and guess what? Now you'd have maybe three or four guys in your system who could transition to the team moving forward. But we doubled down on guys who've never won anything. That's, like I said, that's the frustrating thing for me, has been for years. Brian Brian Jennings says, good evening, boys. The Islanders suck. I love my team, but enough is enough. The Islanders are the TV dinners of the NHL. They're just packaged nice. However, after you open them up, they stink. They stank, Grumpy. They stank is what well, he said. Well, I don't use words like stank unless it's stink, stank, stunk when singing, uh, you know, the, uh, the Grinch who stole Christmas. That's it, the Grinch who stole Christmas, right. Lou must go. I agree, Brian, on everything you said, except for stank. I'll go with stink. Yep. Theodore says Pellick has been horrible. That's true. We touched on that. Joseph C., the Avalanche look like a buzzsaw this year so far. Same with the Knights. And how about the Bruins, the team that Phil said 50-50 to make the playoffs? I'm like, absolutely freaking not. Amazing what they've done. The Bruins have started out this year. Easy schedule, I get it, but still shocking. Yeah. Hey, there were people saying, oh, it's not a guarantee. I, I think the Bruins maybe maybe have an okay chance. And the same thing, oh, the Lightning are to be missing their world ten, you know, their worldy goaltender there, Vasilevsky. Uh, but yeah, the good teams find ways to win. When you have Hall of Fame players on your team, you're going to find ways to win games. 
the the Bruins have given up seven goals in six games. That's pretty good. Pretty good. They play team defense. Yep. Yep. Gugu says, Coach Tommy B, can you show us some of your cooler Islander memorabilia? As you see, it's behind. There's plenty of stuff behind me here. Okay. And up there, as you see, I have a plethora of overtime goals. Parisi's overtime goal against the Rangers. Bobby Nystrom's overtime goal against the Flyers. Uh, Tonelli's overtime goal against Pittsburgh. Those are all great playoff overtime memories of the New York Islanders. That's a great question. Thank you for that one. You've got Bobby Orr up there in the top. Yes, I do. And, oh, yeah, that's the best one right there, Orr scoring the goal. That's his overtime goal to win the Stanley Cup, that one. Yep. Dallas McDonald. That, right. The, okay. Is it the greatest goal of all time? No, but it's the most memorable goal of all time. I think it's I, the most iconic. It's funny is I bought that in Montreal on my best friend's bachelor party trip. Wow. That's where, that's where it came from, all the way back in the mid-90s. And I remember I watched that game. I remember that, and it's like, Sanderson, door, he scores. I remember that. 1970. Anybody who didn't get to see Bobby Orr play, uh, you missed the most exciting player ever to play in the NHL. Absolutely. He was so good. Career robbed by knee injuries. A guy just, you know, different game play back. Right now, he'd probably be a guy who could play till he was 35, 40 years old. True. He'd be breaking every – in today's NHL, he'd break every record in the book. There would be nothing he couldn't touch. He was a freaking wizard out there on the ice. He played on penalty kill, and he could skate with the puck almost for like a minute, minute and a half. No one could touch him. That's he, how good he was. He'd be the best skater in the league right now. Absolutely. He was that good. And the thing is, he had such a wide base, you couldn't knock him off his feet. Just couldn't do it. He was tremendous. He was awesome. Dallas McDonald says, I don't want to get the Bobby Orr show thing going. He's freaking tremendous. Dallas McDonald says, I think Matt Martin is going to get the healthy scratch treatment very soon. I think some rest might be useful. Maybe he should get another job. Use uh, Gauthier and Fashing as a replacement from time to time. Uh, keep he and Clutter fresh. Okay, if you have to keep your fourth line fresh, you need a new fourth line. Fourth line, guys, what's the MO of the fourth line? They skate and they skate and they skate and they skate. They're aggressive. They forecheck. That's what they do. That's their energy lines. Yes. If you have to keep them fresh, you got the wrong guys on that line. Thank you, Dallas. Yep, absolutely. Joseph, Joseph C. C. said, can't wait till Phil's Facts has his own podcast. He can tell you how great Gauthier is. He does have his own podcast. Yes. But here's the thing. It's so boring that no one wants to listen. No, stop, stop, stop. Well, um, I heard they they do instead of for people who don't want to take medicine to go to sleep, you watch Phil's podcast. Oh. All, all kidding aside, you could check out you could check out Phil's uh, Phil's podcast. He's got it on his Twitter, his X whatever X link. It's I think it's called the Red Line. So I think that's what it's called there. Where Phil Phil is on it. So all kidding aside, everyone knows we love Phil. He's so. a good guy. Yes, but it's it's just too easy for me to bag on him. It's just uh, too easy. Uh, Frank Kaplan says, I will be stealing Count Chocula's, Count Chocula Lambert's candy. Okay, Frank, do it. Google <laughs> says, Coach Tommy B, how can I improve my slap shot? Should a cup be worn at all times? Uh, well, you don't have to wear a cup if you're not playing, but if you're playing in the game, I really suggest you wear a cup. How do you improve, improve your slap shot? He's not playing. <laughs> how do you improve your slap shot? <laughs> Balance, <laughs> number one. And believe it or not, a shorter follow-through. Not a longer follow through is not good for your slap shot. You want a short, compact follow through. Get it off as quick as possible, and you get. And when you have it in it, when you have your balance and a short, compact follow through, you get more on it, and you're more accurate with it. There you go, more accurate. That's maybe Kulak. Maybe Kulak should try that. Maybe he should try no backswing on his slap shot. 
God. Uh, and you, Al Grumpy. Old grumpy man. is living up to his name tonight, and he hasn't said a word about the Islanders yet. He was. He was grumpy to start, but he seemed to have mellowed out. He needed to get some of the anger out. Uh, Ellen O'Neill says, guys, what's up with the Islanders? I'm totally frustrated. Um, they're not a good team. They're just an average team. When they play high-level competition, they lose. The thing I wanted to bring up is there were a lot of fans, though, that I think I maybe I touched on this earlier, who were like, they were kind of like baffled, like, hold on, what? I thought we were going to be a better team. And the unfortunate thing is that they were uh, listening to Phil. They were listening to Phil. Trust me, it's not just him. There's a lot of people who were speaking overwhelmingly positive. They were just being so positive about the outlook, even though there was no reason to have that sort. It was unjust positivity. I'll say this, because I don't think it's a great division this year. I think the Metro is more open because I, I think it's more of a cluster of teams outside of Carolina and the Devils. You know, I think after them, anything can happen. And obviously, you know, look, I mean, the Flyers are like off to a good start. We know what's going to end up happening with them, though, right? And yep. that's why I think there's an optimism that you believe when you have a goalie like Sorokin and you think that Lambert's going to have a better defensive system that you're going to do enough to win enough games to be in the playoffs. And that's exactly how I would think inside the Metro. If we were in the Atlantic, I would tell you we're not making playoffs. We're not making the playoffs from the Metro. I do we're think we're not going to be a top three team. Just not going to happen. There, we're in a time period of transition. I think in the at least in our division in the Metro, where it's like the teams like us, the teams like I look at us, Pittsburgh and Washington, all very similar teams at least regarding the makeup. You know, they're teams that are probably that they're you know they have been okay to good you know over the last three four years, and we're on the way down. And you've got teams that are not yet ready to fill the void in the Metro, like your Flyers are not ready, the Columbus Blue Jackets aren't ready. Teams like that are not ready to fill the void. The thing is this, I'll say this to Island fans right now, the Flyers accepted who they were and yep. started an actual legitimate rebuild. Watch out two or three years for that team. Same with Columbus. Yeah. Same with Columbus. Pittsburgh. <laughs> They're not there mentally yet. They're getting there quick. You sign that. You sign Tristan Jari. Well, they're already regretting that deal. Oh, they, 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 it's going to kill them. The, the, the Penguins going to be two or three years. They're going to be terrible. Yep. Yep. And and I will say this here tonight: uh, the Washington Capitals just beat the New Jersey Devils. They're up six to four. Um, you know, it's funny talking about the Devils. People people have asked like, why are you guys not overly critical? of the Timo Meyer trade. Kim, you know, you guys are critical of Bo Horvat. Why not the Timo Meyer trade? Timo Meyer through six games of the season has what one goal and four assists. You know, it's not like is he off to a start where it's like, hey, he's putting a whole bunch of pucks back in that? No, not necessarily. But I wouldn't call that a really, you know, like a really slow start. I mean like, you know, five points in six games. That's not bad. I didn't want him either, by the way. I wanted to bring it. That's who I wanted all along. I thought the Brinkett and Barzell would have been lightning together. Oh, he's spectacular. My thing on everyone knows I'm not a fan of Timo Meyer. I didn't think he was that good. But why don't we criticize that trade? Well, it's not a Devils podcast. It's an Islanders podcast. So, but I didn't think I I don't think Timo Meyer is all that great. I thought they overpaid to get him and they overpaid to keep him. I just don't think he's that good. He falls under the um Poor, even uh, good, even bad teams have to have somebody who scores. Yes. That's who falls under. Drew Drew says, "You know, I have a very good comparison here. Alexander Romanoff is the NHL Emmanuel Forbes. Well, I don't know what Emmanuel Forbes is, so I don't know what that means. 
What's wrong, Grump? Nothing. Nothing's wrong. So, Juan Grumpy, have you noticed TJ's sailor mouth now? Ugh. He's been doing this for the last two years. Yeah, but it's bothering me more now. I've told him not to do it. What's our curse? Mean? What's our curse level at, Grumpy? How many curse words? How many potty mouth words do we say? The answer is you're, zero. You're at three. You're at three. I am at three because I used the word ass twice in the same sentence. Please hold on. You're exactly. saying ass is a bad. Please stop. I marked myself down for that. And then Tommy B had one as well. You're ridiculous. You're ridiculous. Goonwood says, hey, Coach Tommy, you mentioned Borelli's as a standout pizza restaurant in East Meadow. Have you ever tried Pietro's? All right. You can talk about restaurants on your own time, Goon Goon. I'll just tell him real quick. I grew up in East Meadow, so I know them both very well. And, and yes, the original Sesame Street for us Pietro's, which was about, I could walk to that place. So, yes, both pieces, very good pizza. He used to be able to walk to that place, but now not so much. Uh, <laughs> Matthew West says, spoiler alert, Mr. Frank Borelli actually delivered lunch to my company's Jericho office yesterday. I don't care about that, Matthew. Oh. John S. says, it was painful to watch us consistently give up the puck in our own zone last night. Jeez Louise, clear the zone. Okay, why? Right? Why? Look at how aggressive Colorado was. Look at how well they skate. We look like we were skating in sand yesterday. That's the way we look against good teams who can skate. That's why we look overmatched. It's because when another team is skating so well and they're putting pressure on you with a heavy forecheck and it's like, oh, man, we can't clear the zone. Oh, man, we can't can't string together five passes without, you know, you know, them intercepting the puck. It's like, oh, man, they're dominating us because they just the speed kills. Speed kills. Apparently, that Lambert thinks because now that we have Pierre Engvall on the team and he can skate, that we can play a wide open game against these teams. Ugh. Pierre Engvall, stop. Hold <laughs> stop on him. How many times do I have to see him get a pass where he can shoot the puck and it just slides off the heel of his stick? I can't watch that. What a terrible shot. He's just he's just not that good. He's a third line guy. He's just not that good. And he maybe every once in a while he puts a puck on that. Uh, okay, you know what we got. You know what that's. Anybody in a NHL, those are it's, guys that you get from anywhere. Jags. It's still really early in the season, but two points in five games playing on the second line. I uh, you know early again, 10 games, 10 mark, 10 game mark is when you start looking at things more critically. Brian J. Uh, Brian Jennings is at a really tough time in his life right now. We're going to try to help him. I can tell he's he's really depressed. I can feel it. You know, I know Brian, I don't really know him, but I feel like I know him. Imagine being delusional enough to think paying to see an Islander game is a good idea. There's loyalty. Then there is stupidity. Brian, yes, I am stupid. Well, that's okay. We knew that, Tommy, but I didn't want to say that in front of everybody. Thank you for identifying that. Next. I tell you, uh, you know, I, I do I do feel bad for the season ticket holders sometimes because I'm like, if things go poor this year, that's really too duds of a year in the last three years two years ago was really bad and this year maybe we may be on the same Hang out. brian there's one thing you don't get the aisle of the lunchbox i get it for being a season ticket holder so take that last year they got the cool puck the 50 the 50th anniversary oh, puck they that gave I a lot of great stuff last year for the 50th anniversary giving credit this year they gave you like a like a lunchbox and a backpack I've been at a lunch box since I was in fourth grade. James F says, going to be a very long time before you climb up on that roof, Tommy, before another championship. Yeah, I, like those days are over. Matthew West says, Lambert needs to make some changes. I mean, he's been making changes. It, it, you can only – okay. 
Does he have any new players where he can make change? These are the same guys who've been there for the majority for five, six years since he's been there. Same guys. Tough to make changes when you – it's like, okay, well, let's see. Every night – hey, remember that – and, Tommy, you'll remember this. You remember the commercial – I'm sorry, the cartoon where um, Yosemite Sam was on an island with Bugs Bunny and it was just coconuts. All it was was a coconut yeah. tree, boiled coconut, stewed coconut, fried coconut. That's what Blaine Lambert has to do with this team. It's just all it is is coconuts, and you got to try to create something out of the coconuts. It's always coconuts. There's nothing else you can do. Look, I mean, <laughs> this team is what it is. There's only one way this team can actually win, and that's to bottle up in their own zone and hope for transition. If they do not have the horses to play a wide open game like they tried to do with the Devils and Colorado, we'll get killed every single time. We do not have those players. Jack Wolston. No need to panic. On a lighter note, who's going to Met Life? Us UK Islanders, about 16 of us, are making the trip to meet y'all. Can I answer this one? Yes. Please do. Jack, I went to the game at Yankee Stadium 10 years ago. And here's what I'm going to say about that experience. Never again. Don't Never say that. again. This is a big trip for them. I hope they have fun. Um, I, I'm not into watching freezing my you-know-what off in the middle of the winter at a game where the sight lines are terrible and you can barely see anything at the rink. And that's exactly what happens in these big stadiums. Uh, there are fans, um, Islander fans, who listen to this show. And, Jack, if you want to reach out via – the Islanders, what's it called, TJ? Or Islanders never say die. Podcast. No, no, no. The the Twitter page. Islander, are you? Hold on. Islanders, Islanders, Islanders fans. Fans United. I, yeah, okay. That's the Twitter handle. If sure. you want to reach out to us, we can pass some information around to people going to that game, so you can meet up with them. Absolutely. Sure. Just, what's what's the email again? Islanders fans United at Gmail. Islanders fans United at Gmail That's a cool thing. Yeah. So that. do that. We'll try to – Well, I mean, you're coming over with 16. I mean, I'm sure they're going to be on the fans who are going, who listen to this show, and we'll absolutely put, try to put you together. And, you, Jack, you must experience the George Washington Bridge after the game. It's quite fun. Okay. <laughs> Frank Kaplan says, Lou is a scumbag who did more damage than he did in New Jersey. It's because New Jersey finally cut him loose. <sighs> Man, I, I'll be interested to see how bad things are when things – Adam Papadoulias says – Hey, the shadows across the crease have been debunked. The Islanders didn't paint the blue line. It's the top crossbar. A thousand percent sure of it. I disagree. I think maybe it's the, I don't know what it is. The only I think team in the league. The only team in the league. Yeah, stop. Okay. Full yeah. stop. Next. It's the very new lighting they have. Oh, yeah. Creative lighting. Right. <laughs> Nick D. Grumpy, TJ, Tommy, and Sun X. How all three are you doing tonight after the game? After uh, Doing tonight after game five. I've lost faith in this team. TJ, you were great last night in Twitter spaces. Oh, gosh. No. They were coming at TJ hard in the Twitter spaces. I don't no, know how they, you can do that. I don't know how you can they, do they, that. They weren't. They weren't. Now, here's the one thing I will say. I don't. You shouldn't have lost faith because the team is kind of what it is. You know, this is the same team that there was last year. Don't expect anything different or special based off of last year. It looks like we're going to be a very similar team this year to what we were last season. It's still only five games in. But I think we're going to see. It's like a yeah. lot of the a lot of the things we saw last year are going to be replicated this season. Look, we got punked last night by a team that won a cup two years ago that might go to the cup again this year. So it's not like we lost to one of the top three or four teams in the NHL. Yep, 
yes but like when you see that you should be able to like for the goal of making the postseason that's still possible i think that's yeah. you know we're we're an average to slightly above average team the goal of winning a stanley cup though i think you know Absolutely. if you have dreams of you know of, of uh, you know grandiose dreams like that probably better to, to check the expectations yeah, they better figure out a way to get noah hannafin on this team by the deadline they, they won't have any hopes of that <laughs> drew says this team doesn't deserve sorokin true jp says colorado was great they made the new york Islanders system look foolish because colorado is way too good what system that wasn't a system last night that was players running around with that with that, with that their heads cut off yeah we tried to play Colorado style because we had to try to go punch for punch with them. They went up early and it was like, oof, we can't do that. Yeah, true. Um, and honestly, the goal that they scored, right? The first goal that they scored with like 45 seconds left remaining in the second period. My God, we were just at, we were at a spot where we like load everybody humanly possible in front of the net and hope that no shots get on our goalie. And of course, it finds and sneaks its way all the way through there, hits top shelf, and it was just like ever since that point, it was like yikes, it comes away. It, it looked like six-year-olds playing a soccer game where they all run to the same spot. Yep, uh -huh. that's what it looked like. Yep, but that's the way our defense has been this year. Just get as many bodies in front of the net. Uh, Gungu says, Coach Tommy, is there any place for foul language during the game of hockey? If not, should a penalty be given? TJ would be penalized countless game misconducts if that were the case. There's uh, always room for foul language during a hockey game. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Nick D, grumpy old man. What the hell is going on with Pelic? His play is terrible. WTF is 27 doing on the first line. Exactly. What we've all said. <laughs> oh man, oh, JP man. says it literally could have been eleven or twelve to four last night. With uh, I won't go. I'll say ten or eleven. I said ten myself. Yeah. I said they could have scored ten goals last night. If Volumov was in net, it's at least ten to four. <laughs> oh man, Greg Frost. Greg Frost says the only reason this team is the least bit competitive is Sorokin. Did you see them standing around at the end of the second? The team is old and tired, just like the GM. God damn, yeah. that's fair. Oh man, Adam P. Once again, Lane Lambert, aka Pat Riley, is a complete joke. He confused. He's confused. He's just throwing stuff at the wall to see what sticks. True. In defense, I expect Lane Lambert to win the Halloween costume uh, contest on Tuesday. Okay, that's what we're hoping for. Google <laughs> says, "Grumpy, you're 100 right." I love. I always love comments like that. If Sorokin wasn't in the net, the final score would have been 10 to four. Absolutely. Yeah, here you go, Joseph C. Uh, that save makes my groin hurt just looking at it. Mm -hmm. You felt Adam. it too, didn't you? Like, oh, Adam P says, so then the only thing I don't get is, was McCarr's backhand really that difficult to stop, stop the, the, the deception? Okay, he was up against the post. It was top shelf. And it had mustard on it. I, that, that shot had mustard on it. It's like, guys, if you see a goal like that where it's like, Hey, Alexander Ovechkin, put a backhanded shot top shelf. You're not like, oh man, what the hell? You got to stop that Ovechkin shot there. It's Trust a goal me, Adam. Goal. It's a when goal score. When you let go of a perfect backhand, you feel it and it's so sweet, and the goalie has no idea where it's going. It's a goal scorer's goal. Yep. Michael Bechet says, and our defense is way overrated. They're just average. We got one, one guy who was a real pro, a great defenseman. His name is Noah Dobson. 
all yeah. the rest of the ham and eggers in the hopper with you. Gungu says is the defense was the is the poor defense and taking stupid penalties a reflection of the coach or the players? A bit of both. It's a bit of both. Is there room for growth? Um, I don't know how much growth we can do. There is room for improvement. It can be improved. Yeah. Yes. But growth, Dobson can grow, Boldu can grow, and Romanoff can grow. The other guys are done growing. They are what they are. Yep. Yep. Joseph C says Colorado doesn't know perimeter shots. Their first two lines are dynamite. They're good. They're freaking good. That's what I told somebody last night who was complaining about Sorokin about five goals. I go, they had at least 25 shots from the from what I call the scoring zone. Yep. Where I mean, where if you put any other goalie in net, they score 10 goals. Yep. He was sensational last night. And here's the thing: Varlamov was sensational against Buffalo. They lost three to well, three to one. I thought it was three to nothing, but three to one. I mean, he was sensational, and it gets lost. He was really, really good that game because well, Buffalo is just probably better than we are too. Adam P says, according to the blowhard Shannon Hoganites, the Hoganites, the Islanders played their best ten minutes of the year in the second period. I'll agree with that. This is where we are now. They peaked the other night. Shannon is intolerable. I like Shannon. I like Shannon. I, I like Shannon. But I just so uh, the Hoganites. But um, I just want to remind Shannon that the hockey game is sixty minutes, not ten minutes. Now I, I will say it's been. T- I, I'm already on the spot where I cannot listen to any of the Islander telecasts. It's like you've now. His, how was Butch? His, was he good yesterday, or is he just kind of? I'll ask you there, Grumpy, and and, and Coach Tommy B, because I assume you watch the Islanders telecast. Yeah, but Butch, I love Butch Goring, by the way. So he's a I. great guy. Um, he's wonderful, actually, to have in the booth for the team and out there as as somebody that's you know expressing Islanders love and old Islanders tradition and all those things. But he is who he is as an announcer. He's an Islander homer as an announcer, which is his job. Yes. His job. The funniest thing with him is penalties. We never we never commit a penalty, and everything the other team does is a penalty. It's on the same stuff. Like a guy, yeah. oh, that's unfortunate. Like when uh, one of the Islanders hits somebody in the stick or pelic elbow in a guy in the face. Well, you know, that's hockey. You know, okay, dude, you can't hit a guy with an elbow to the face. Well, he didn't see him. Okay, well. Sorry, you got to be responsible for your stick. I mean, you know, and then the same play, it's like, whoa, yeah, that's pretty egregious out there. I can't believe they didn't call that. Just be fair. That's all. Uh, Drew L, grumpy old man. People are speculating that Lane Lambert has lost the locker room. I just think the team sucks. I don't think he's lost the locker room. Some, yeah, people, people were locker room in five games. Yes. People are asking, like, oh, man, it looks like maybe he's lost the room. I'm like, and, no, no. And way. the team doesn't suck. It's just. It's just not great. They're they're an average team who are going to lose the majority of the games against playoff teams, which they did down the stretch last year as well. And they're going to beat the majority of the bad teams. Yep, We're just an average team. We're just on the treadmill to mediocrity. Yes, the treadmill to mediocrity. There you go. Michael Bechet says there's no communication between our defense and our forwards. I think it's the defense is scared of getting walked around. So they're backing up, which causes that. Yeah. Because we look pretty good against Arizona. And now, I, I will say that yesterday there were an awful lot. They were the what the media cartel, the Islander telecast was saying was, well, you know, uh, it was uh, what was the reason? Oh, the Buffalo game. Well, uh, you know what? It was tough because it's the second night of a back to back. 
Yes. And it's like, okay, stop making excuses because when Trotz was coach, we were we were really good on the second night of back to back. Um, and that's after we 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 played our home opener, two days off, played on Tuesday, two days off into the back to back, so that should not be an issue, and then two days off into Colorado. And and but here's the thing. They were saying that the reason, well, it was so tough, you know, playing Buffalo on the second half of a back-to-back. But, you know, we lost, we beat Arizona 1-0. They were on the second half of a back-to-back after beat, playing the Rangers the night before and losing a tight game. you got to win some back-to-backs. That's, that's, that's how you make the playoffs. That's, Trotz did that numerous times. Right they were really good under, the, under Trotz in that regard. Drew says, also, people are already saying fire Lane. What they really need to do is fire Lou. 100% agree. Lane won't, Lane won't last once Lou's gone. If I say if you fire Lou, Lane's gone. Absolutely. Yep. Adam P. Um, that, oh, I thought there was another one up there. Okay. Yeah, well, it's, it was a comment we already talked about, Pierre Engel okay. being invisible. Okay. okay. Well, I liked, I love those comments. Pierre Engel is invisible. Thank you. He's the new Invisibaily. Adam P. says, the calls to fire lame. Have you not been listening to his post games, TJ? He's a BS artist politician. He makes excuses. He looks lost. Lame is on lame is on the hot seat in any other organization but lose. What do you expect a coach to, to honestly say in the post games? I mean, honestly, he ha- there's certain things, Adam. He's not going to come out and state even if he thinks it, because that's for inside the locker room. He's not going to want to single out players in a post game and you know, and do that to them. He's going to wait till he gets into the locker room. That's what a good coach does. And and you pull the player aside. You don't embarrass him in front of the public. That's me, that's one thing we always used to be extremely critical of Barry Trotz of, where it was like, hey, if you've got a young guy, we're talking about to the press and publicly saying they're not doing this X, Y, and Z correctly, they need to improve their play. And you're like, maybe we should be handling that behind closed doors if you really have an issue. You shouldn't be confronting this with the press. And I thought the fact that Lane, I still call him Lane, uh, acknowledged team speed around the NHL and his team's lack of team speed. He danced around it, but I knew what he was saying. That was big. That was big to me. But that's fine. Use it in a team you know, he's, he's right. as a team, not singling out a player. But what does it tell you? The same things I've been saying. We're not fast enough to keep up with the modern day NHL. And it's it's a problem. I don't even know how you solve that, except get players who can skate. How do you solve that? I mean, that's the one thing you, in the NHL. I always say, if you can't skate, you can't play. Greg Frosty, grumpy. Dobson isn't that good. No matter what these guys say to build him up, he's softer than Jello. Oh, you're so wrong, Greg. Your dog, look at him. He's scowling at you right now. He's not scowling at me. He's scowling at you. Here's the thing. Dobson, for his size, he's never going to be a physical defender. He's just not that guy. He'll always be a guy with good size who doesn't have the same physicality maybe that other defenders his size do. Most modern-day NHLers are not very overly physical as a defenseman. Just not what they are anymore. They're more offensive-minded. They're quick skaters. They're guys that are good through transition, and they struggle a little bit in the defensive zone. He checks all of those boxes. And, hey, if he takes a big step forward and figures it out in the defensive zone, he's spectacular. That's for certain. Um, Joseph C. Grumpy. Only Lou would give a bottom six forward a seven-year deal. Absolutely. And a bottom pairing defenseman a seven-year contract extension. 
Alex Hinchy says, TJ, the calls have already started. A lot of fans are still defending Lou and much rather have Lambert fired. If Lou, if Lane goes, Lou absolutely has to go with him than clean house. Absolutely. Absolutely. They're grumpy old man. Got a comment here from Drew L. Anders Lee on the first line plays like a person whose favorite fast food restaurant is Wingstop. Nice. Nice attempt at humor, Drew. Attempt. Um, and then JP, grumpy old man. Amen, Baffy. Wallstrom has gotten, what, 12 minutes a game? It's a freaking joke. Give the kid 16, 20 minutes a night, and maybe he could succeed. And maybe 15 to 20 games, right? Best shot on the team, and you put him with a guy that can create, well, he'll be open. With him and Hort, with Horvat and Barzell together, no one's really going to be covering Oliver Wallstrom that much until, until he actually starts scoring a ton of goals. Then he'll, then he'll start covering him. But if you do that right now, you're giving him an opportunity to succeed. By playing him on the third and fourth line and playing him on the second power play unit, you're not giving the opportunity to succeed. And by the way, Barzell should be playing on the right side of the power play unit with Wallstrom in the Ovechkin spot, and that pass should be going back and across so he can rifle those one-timers. Yep. It's the power play set up all wrong. Yep, absolutely. Yep, I couldn't agree Did more. we get a new power play coach? No. no, we need no. the same power play coach. Remember, we were thinking I, about some things in the well, offseason. Yeah, Lou said he was thinking about some things. I don't know what the hell he was thinking about. Sorry. Uh, Mark, Mark A. Grumpy. Mark Alberti says, is Barzell worth his contract? If he was on another team, he would be. Uh, yeah, I don't know. We're going to find no, out more. Tommy, do you, do you realize he broke up with his ex-girlfriend? Yeah, I know all about it. I, I, oh, I you. My seats right now are in section 102. That's where the wives and the families all sit, so they're all right where I sit. So we hear all the gossip going on. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Very good. Eve L. Says, Horvat's buyout is 2833000 until 2038, 37-38. I don't think he's a buyout candidate yet. No, and he's not going to be the guy who gets bought out. Nick M. Um, he says, Barzell is better at center. I disagree. I think he's a better winger than he is center. I mean, look at—I mean, I, I was—I was not totally uh, into that switch when it happened, but you know what? He—he he looks more comfortable on the wing. He does. Yep. It's just that you got to give him another winger to pass to. There you go. And we're gonna—we uh, won't be get through all the comments here tonight, but we're gonna start. It's about a little over two hours in, so we'll get a few more comments here, and then we're gonna go ahead and wrap things up. But Michael Boucher, grumpy. As long as Lou Lamorello is in charge. We're not going anywhere. Time has passed him by. I think let him play out until trading deadline and start over. Yeah, that's not happening. All righty here. Let's see here. I'm going to pick one that exits. I know Tommy needs to go, so if we need to let him go and then we can what, what, wrap up the story. Yeah, I mean, if you, yeah, as I said, you want to do do another one and then I'll uh, do a goodbye before my battery runs out anyway. It's okay. uh, running a little low. John A., grumpy old man. At this point, if the team were able to find the right management team, which, given our history, is a big F. I'd rather start the rebuilding process. Absolutely. Here's the problem, John. You know, I, I love the idea. I, I mean, we've talked about the proper rebuilding process now for two years, and I've been in on the show like five, six times a year with you guys. We've talked about that. We put ourselves in a terrible position now to actually do a rebuild yep. because these contracts are going to be a nightmare to get rid of. They just are. And, and the best player on their contract, which is coming up, is Brock Nelson, as we all know. And he's and he's got great value. Yep. And do you sign him at thirty three to a five or six year deal, or do you or do you cash in on him at this year's trade deadline if we're not a playoff team, or cash in on the off season, one or the other? I cash in on one of those 
scenarios, which however plays out. He stays, and I trade him in the summer. You can't give another 33-year-old a big contract as much as I love him, and he's worth two first-round picks and a, and a prospect right now. Yep. yep. Deadline deal. Deadline deal. One more comment about some optimism here. What a film says, hello, Islander fans, grumpy TJ and coach Tommy. I'm trying to be optimistic, but do these guys have what it takes? I really don't know what to think at this point. Team's just not good enough. And it's not a crime. That's on the GM. It's not on the players, it's on the GM. Everything, everything now is on Lou Lamarillo. We are capable of making the playoffs, guys. That's what we're capable of doing. Yes. And my biggest fear with that. You know, obviously, I, I'm an Islander. I want us to do well. I want us to have some success. Okay, but the, my biggest fear of us being at that at that position is goodbye 2024 first round pick. Goodbye, either Dufour or Maggio, who are two of our only good prospects. Goodbye to them to get another player that we're going to sign to an eight year deal with a full no trade, who's going to stink the second half of the contract, and then we're going to be in worse shape down the line. So. That's that's the problem with it. I mean, because you is Lou not going to do that, guys? If we're if we're battling for a spot, yep. absolutely he will, absolutely he will. And that's where it's like, if we're in the middle, we're going to trade away that first round pick. It's as good as gone. Um, and then we got one more here. Jack Jack Wollston says here, do we take Barry Trotz as general manager after Lou Lamarillo? No. I'm not sure Barry would be interested to come here over Nashville just because of how long he was part of that organization as coach, and now they're letting him be general manager. I think he's got much stronger ties to Nashville than he does to the Islanders. Young, I don't even want him. Young blood. Yes, young you. blood young. young blood, young blood, young GM, young coach, young players. It's going to be – and it, when it comes, it's going to come. Speed and size. Draft speed and size. Just keep drafting speed and size, and you'll hit some players. Well, there we go. Well, we're going to wrap things up here for today. Thank you so much, Coach Tommy B. Thank you so much, Grumpy Old Man, for being a part of the show today. Um, Coach Tommy B., what do you want to say before we wrap things up here today? Well, first of all, I want to thank you, gentlemen, for having me on the show. I always love coming on your show. It's a great show. And I, you know, every Wednesday night, I watch it uh, religiously. And uh, I enjoy it, and it's a, it's a fresh take from some of the other shows. It's an honest show. They, they tell you the truth about what they think about the team, right or wrong. It's their opinions. They don't. It's always right, Tommy. They don't to anybody. They, they tell you what they think. They, they You know, that's what I try to do on my show as well. And uh, as far as for the Island fans, it's five games in. I'm just telling you, this is not a time to panic. I, I know there's some things that you don't like seeing these last few games, but Keep a little faith as far as us being a playoff team because I still I still think we have a reasonable shot to make the playoffs. But you guys, I don't know if you guys go nuts. Take one every game in stride. Don't get too high. Don't get too low. Enjoy the games. Enjoy the fans and enjoy the atmosphere. And maybe one day, thirty years from now, we'll win a Stanley Cup. <laughs> <laughs> I think very well put, Coach Tommy. Being grumpy, what do you want to say before we wrap things up? Yeah. I want to give Tommy some advice. When TJ says, is there anything you want to say? It's just, my name's Tommy Baffy, and get off. (laughs) So here's what I want to say. Love and laughter to everyone who listens, and even those who don't. From TJ, the grumpy old man, and Tommy B. And and I will say this. I think he's right. Don't get high. Don't get too low. We're only five games into the regular season. You see a lot of the same things from last year. This is going to be an average team. Make sure you have the right expectations. 
Don't get too high. Don't get too low. You're never as good as you think. You're never as bad as you think. Thank you so much, everybody, for watching the show here today. We'll be with you guys live this Saturday. We play Columbus on Saturday, right? I think you said. Yes. Viewing party. Saturday. <laughs> viewing, viewing party. That's right. The viewing party at Columbus. Or I'm sorry, not at Columbus. Where, where are you going to be at the viewing party one more time? Whiskey okay. Red Sports Bar and Grill, 2552 Hempstead Turnpike in East Meadow with the drive for five and any of the other fans from the Islander groups who want to come on out. Everybody's Absolutely. We'll be live streaming the game as well. We'll be going live during that Saturday game, hopefully after two Islander wins and, you know, or one Islander win and we'll win against Columbus with a much more rosier outlook. But thank you so much, everybody, for watching the show here today. We'll see you guys this Saturday during the Columbus Blue Jackets game. Thank you, Coach Tommy Baffey, and thank you, Grumpy Old Man. My pleasure.